0: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.
1: Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey.
2: Well, good morning, and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for tuning in this morning. I started the Smart Investing Show about 28 years ago when we discussed finance, investing, and the economy. It is a call-in show, and if you would like to hear, we would like to hear from you. We'd like to hear what you have to say, uh, give you that unbiased, no strings attached, Trying to help you through the investment world here and make you a smarter investor. You can give us a call here at the show, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. But before we take the calls, we have, uh some big topics to talk about. Uh, would that uh, help me out? Is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing well. Well, we, we got to say we're a little bit tired this morning because we went to the uh, Great Padre game last night. and we uh, Wow, what a game! I mean, gosh, I've, I've never seen somebody hit three home home runs in one game, and all the home runs, like wow, it was like a, a almost like a football game with a Sounds score. Like a home run derby. Yeah, it was great. So it's a. Uh, kind of nice to be there but we're a little bit slow this morning because uh the game went kind of late but uh
3: i know we're not a sports talk show but i will have to say well, it was against the diving back show i think i've lost like 23 road games in a row so <laughs> yeah. they did sweep the dodgers which is good so yes exactly uh, But it is a lot of fun but yeah you're right i'm, I'm tired so. <laughs> yeah, so so people please go a little bit
2: easy on us talk slowly for us so that we can comprehend but um let, let's talk about some important things happened uh last week and uh Let's talk about big tech companies. Uh, One of my major concerns uh, the last few years has been the regulation. And with Biden's recent nominee for the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC uh, commissioner, Linda Khan.
3: I don't know if it's Lina or Lena, but there's no deeds. There's Linda no need. you know deep. what see here we go already this <laughs> part, I'm already
2: putting D's where well, there's no D there. So it's Lina Khan, excuse me. Uh, getting confused uh, confirmed in the Senate. I almost said like getting confused in the Senate. great. confirmed in the Senate and uh, uh, those concerns they'll go even higher because um, I mean, you know, Khan wrote the the now famous article Amazon's Antitrust Paradox while well, she was a law student at Yale. And she is not, I don't want to say she's not pro-business, but, you know, there's some things here that kind of worry us. And, and you know, nothing grows forever. And I think she's somebody that's going to have some concerns here and do some things tomorrow, but long-term.
3: Hey, I'm not going to say she's anti-business, but she's definitely pro-regulation is the way There we I go. That's a good it. way to say it. That's a good way to say it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the article she wrote while she was a, a law student at Yale, I mean, that Amazon's antitrust paradox, I mean, she really criticized Amazon and its practices. And I mean, if you really look at it, it's actually kind of like a blueprint for regulating that big tech. And she also compared the group of tech companies I kind of heard this before, called them monopolies and compared those monopolies to like the oil barons. And we know oil got regulated. She compared them to the the, um, railroad tycoons. And we know that, you know, back in the earlier days, that that's where a lot of people made money. (laughs) And they came in and they actually did regulate those two industries quite heavily. So is this going to be something that is going to now occur with tech? And, you know, those two areas that I mentioned, I mean, they really did see some severe regulation after excess growth. And we've seen now excess growth in technology. So kind of, you know, uh, I was reading an interesting article and it said, History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah, very, very good, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, I was going to use that later in the show, by the way. But ah, I'll, shoot. I'll, I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing to look at, too, she also co-wrote a paper with outgoing FTC commissioner Rohit Chopra arguing that FTC regulation has relied too much on litigation rather than issuing new rules. So that is kind of concerning as well because rather than just suing the big companies, she wants to say, I want to create rules, perhaps. So you can't do these things, and I won't sue you now because, well, now, now I'll just have the rules instead, which yeah, means I'll
2: have to follow it. it when we first looked at this, it was kind of confusing because, well, wait a minute. Creating new rules, it means you're going to be suing them anyways. But I think you have to, first of all, establish good, strong rules to create the case. So uh, that's what I are saying. It's not going to happen next month, but this is something that's going to happen over time because now you're going to put the rules in. And then if they break those rules, well— now we, we've got you. And, and then it's a clear uh, clear way they're going to be able to sue them.
3: Yeah, so it, it's kind of a shift. And it, it's, it's interesting to see is, like, is this going to be how she's going to be running the FTC? And if they do have kind of a majority on that side, I think there's five people in the FTC, that they could get some things through pretty easily. It's yeah. not like the House and the Senate where, you know, the Senate, you have 100 people. You got to get that through. Well, now there's just five people that you have to convince to kind of get these right, things through. So,
2: and, and you know, this just surprising as well that um, uh, the ease which it got uh, confirmed by the Senate. I mean, gosh, the group voted what 69 to 28 in favor of her approval. I mean, that's a that's overwhelming approval. So it's not like uh, people. And we do talk about that. There's no one really on the side of the big tech because yeah. uh, Republicans who are big business people. Well, well, they don't really like them. Uh, the Democrats are more uh, smaller business, more regulating the business. So there's nobody really on the side of big tech. And, and uh, it, it, it's going to be a, an issue for these big tech companies. And that could be the fall of them to where they go from a 30, 40 times PE down to maybe a 10 times PE.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, people don't understand how burdensome regulation is and how it can really stifle growth. And you take away the growth from these big tech companies, and it, it might not even be that they stop growing, but they start growing at a, a slower rate. That's what could really be their demise because you're right. They trade at 30, 40 times earnings because they're growing at 20% a year. Well, now all of a sudden you're going at, let's say 8% a year. You don't trade it at 30, 40 times multiple. Right. So that, that's something to, to really be, I'd say leery of and, you know, just be cautious here because we know that this has actually been a bipartisan issue for years. Yeah. And it was funny. I, I was watching, um, you know, Fox business earlier this week and there's a gentleman on there talking about big tech regulation. He's like, I'm not worried. It takes years for this stuff to kind of happen. And this big tech regulation has actually been a bipartisan issue now for years. Yes, it's not like Just oh, this starting. is something new. <laughs> right. yeah. So it has been going on, and it, it we've talked about it now for years. And I, I do worry about this now kind of starting to maybe push the pace with the the new uh, FTC commissioner.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and and things do change, and and you're so right though because people think oh, it's new. It may be new because we're talking about it. People are talking about it more, but it's actually been building for years. So we're maybe you know, in the, the fifth or sixth inning of the game here to where you're not starting the first inning. You're in, the, you're in midway through the stage here. So that, that could be a, a, a big change. And, and, and again, I mean, I, I love watching history, and I remember watching about the railroads in the early 1900s, uh, the oil companies, the Rockefellers and stuff, what went through with that. Um, it does eventually become regulated, and it will be – they'll be broken up. They'll be uh, much smaller, and I don't think they get the, that growth rate
3: yeah, so. I mean, you look at Amazon, you break up Amazon, a lot of times the way that they do the retail business, it's not super profitable. No, They make their money on the AWS, so it can almost kind of subsidize other parts of the company. So people say, oh, Amazon's worth more if you look at the kind of some of the parts, which yeah. means you break them apart, they'd be worth more. And I, I, I don't see the math on that because I don't understand how you can look at the retail part and be like, wow, that that is a phenomenal business by itself. And it's phenomenal for consumers. Mm-hmm but in terms of profit margins, I'm not sure how profitable that is. I know it's not nearly as profitable as the AWS.
2: And and actually, sometimes the uh, government, by trying to break down smaller businesses, actually can't hurt the consumer because you brought up Amazon retail. It's great for the consumer, but it's subsidized by the businesses. If they're forced to break up, Amazon won't have that benefit, and that retail of Amazon, who knows what the new company will be, will maybe have to raise prices or do something else because they, they can't afford to do it
3: strictly on its own. Yeah. No, and I, I, I do look at these companies and, you know, I think it's great that they have, I mean, a, a lot of them have very high profit margins, which we like to see when we invest in oh, businesses. Yeah. But the problem is they're almost too high where, you know, I, I'm going to say a lot of people that are, again, pro-regulation, kind of looking at, you know, creating a fairer landscape, so to speak, not in favor of these monopolies. They say, well, that's not fair. You shouldn't be making that much right. money. So, I mean, it's kind of almost—they're making too much money. They need to pull back <laughs> they're, they're they're in the crosshairs
2: here. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, let's move on. I mean, because, uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned about uh, electric cars and, oh, you know, oil is going to be a thing of the past. Well, y- you know, have you ever looked into where a bar- barrel of oil goes? I mean, you've got one barrel and people think, oh, it all goes to gasoline. That is not quite the case. Uh, the real answer is only 46% of a barrel of uh, oil, from oil, goes to gasoline. Uh, the remaining 54% is broken up in in different ways there.
3: Yeah, and, and the way you look at it is actually 32% goes to diesel and heating oil. So that's kind of surprising it was, it was, you know, that's a large portion of it. And, and you know what's funny Chase too that just popped in my head is
2: that heating by electricity is very very inefficient. Yeah. So we that won't be changing.
3: Yeah, I and I <laughs> I I didn't know that when, you know, the gas actually is how you heat the uh, heat your house, right. and uh, cause I remember I, I was heating the house, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, that's co- a couple years ago. Now I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't know my gas bill was going to go way up. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's from from heating. So I, you're right; I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, other things to look at too is 14 of it goes to petrochemicals, and and 7 of it to jet fuel. And we've talked about this before. I will not be willing to get on an electric plane for probably 30 years I because I, I I batteries are a lot heavier than you know well, and also that i mean you know if you
2: for some reason don't charge or something happens with it in a car while well, you pull over and you call tesla whoever it may be to come <laughs> and charge your car for you um but in the plane you're gonna crash yeah you know and and, and it's just the, the fuel is much more dependent right now and again you're right 30 years down the road who knows what technology will bring us. But right now, it's not the time to say, oh, just sell the oil because next year everybody's going to be driving electric cars. You don't need oil anymore. Uh, that is not the
3: case. And well, it's funny, too. You talk about electric cars. It's like, oh, wow, well, you can go 300 miles on a charge now. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't fly to uh, Europe because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to crash in the middle of the ocean because we don't have enough electricity to get there. I mean, I, I know it's kind of a funny way to think about it, but they can probably put more on the plane, right. but then you have to balance out the weight and so forth. And the other thing, too, that's interesting about the the discussion around oil is if you completely remove the electric cars and it's like, oh, well, we're good. Well, now you, you have kind of a different type of market where I think it could send oil prices higher right. as we're balancing that out. Right. Well, if oil prices go way up, talk about now heating your house. Oh, geez. Now that's going to be instead of, let's say, $50 for the month, now it's probably going to be $80 for the month. Right. You look at flying on planes. Well, the, the planes aren't going to be like, oh, well. That sucks. We have all all this higher cost now in jet fuel. Well, we'll just eat that. No, they'll raise ticket prices. So now it's more expensive to fly. So it's something that, you know, I I think it's, I'm going to say it's a fantasy to think that, oh, we don't need oil. We can get rid of oil. It's it's not a reality. And and it's funny. I was talking to a good friend of mine from the Army, Reggie,
2: uh, yesterday driving home. I just called him up and, hey, Reggie, how you doing? Um, But we were talking about electric cars. And he goes, I'll never buy an electric car. And we know that they're going to stop making uh, gas cars coming up maybe 10 years, 15 years from now. But even then, it's just like we're still going to buy the older cars. Same thing. I'll never drive uh, or buy an electric car. And it's not just Reggie and I. There's many people in that same thing. So you're still going to be having the use of gas for many, many years, use of oil for many, many years. And, again, don't forget all the uses that we've talked about in past shows about what oil is actually used in. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about uh, things we've talked about here in the past. Was, and we've done, done this quite a bit, but we talked about the discrepancy between the unemployed and the job openings. But one element that isn't discussed as frequently is, are people now able to retire from the labor force? Uh, with the stock market and real estate uh, market hitting all-time, uh, all-time highs here, I mean, baby boomers may be able to retire when pairing their appreciated assets with pensions and Social Securities. I mean, the baby boomer generation, which I'm part of, uh, was born between 1946 and 1964, which means the tail end of the generation is approaching their retirement years. And this is a big thing that people need to look at. I, I do believe we're going to have a labor shortage coming up. Yeah. I'm, if we don't already, I mean, what am I talking okay. about? I say, coming <laughs> up, we have one. Sustained labor shortage.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, in fact, you look at the, the numbers here, which we always like to do. In the third quarter last year, 28.6 million baby boomers reported being retired. This was a 3.2 million person climb from the third quarter of 2019. Compare that to 2019's growth from for 2018 to 2019. That's how 1.5 million people retired. So we more than doubled last mm-hmm. year what happened between 2018 and 2019. And now you look at the share of retired boomers, that has now hit 40%. I mean, that's only going to climb oh, Yeah, as, as yeah. time progresses. So it's, it's definitely something to watch and don't forget the boomers. They're, they're a huge part of our population. And as of recent data, they accounted for 69.56 million people.
2: It's a pretty big uh, number, but it has actually changed a little bit because you, you dig a little bit deeper. Uh, what this means is that those in Generation Z, I got all these generations mixed up with Z, uh, will now need to start replacing uh, those boomers of the workforce. Those in Gen Z were born from 1997 to 2012. And they account for 67.2 million people. Yeah. And, 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 it, and you know what? And that's going to change. I, I hate to say this, but the baby boomers will start passing away. Yeah. So I, I think pretty soon that Gen Z is going to be the big generation.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, millennials are actually probably going to maintain oh, no, that, that <laughs> lead for a long time. Because You're in the millennials, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, millennials are, are now the largest group as they stand at a population of 72.1 million people. And the reason I say that Gen Z is going to actually have to start taking those jobs as baby boomers leave the workforce is because the millennials are already in their, their mid to late 20s. They yeah. should so already be in the workforce. So right. you know, and it's kind of funny. I uh, We did a little tease on social media yesterday about what we're going to be talking about today. And I said, are baby boomers to blame for the labor shortage? <laughs> and I'm sure people are like, what is this guy talking about? Right. You know? <laughs> And we were just saying because, you know, baby boomers are coming to that age now where they can retire. And I I just am very curious to see what happens in, you know, the labor force participation rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, are there going to be more boomers? that are like, you know, it's just it's not worth it. Like I I have my pension. And that's one thing too. a lot of baby boomers. They still have pensions. Right. Millennials. We don't know what pensions really are because not many (laughs) companies offer them anymore. Yeah. So it's. It's something that's very interesting is, are those boomers now just going to say, yeah, I, I'm good. I, I don't need to come back from the workforce. I, I COVID kind of forced me to retire, and I, I'm in a good enough spot where I can. I'll collect my Social Security. And that's the other thing is, more of them start to hit that Social Security age. It's like, yeah, I, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the thing
2: is, things are changing with each generation, which is something that worries me. Because, uh, like, your generation, uh, I guess the Gen Z generation, they've not really seen – I mean, because 9-11 was, what, now 20 years ago. I mean, you were, what, seven years old back then. You really don't remember. It hasn't really affected you. And this is what worries me. I, and I bring this up because uh, I saw this on Thursday in the Wall Street Journal that there's a, a, a newspaper that's an, been in Hong Kong for 26 years. Uh, uh, yeah, 26 years. And Beijing shut it down. Yeah. This is the things that kind of worry me b- because I'm very concerned about China going forward. And when I talk to some younger people like, oh, no, you're, you're an old warrior, don't worry about it. They don't realize, and you mentioned earlier, this was I gonna use it about, uh, it may not repeat, but rhyme. This is what happened with Germany and Hitler, where he started and people, oh, it's okay, okay, until it got so big. And this is what worries me with China is that they're taking it slowly and slowly and taking these things away. And when we look at what we need to do here, I'm not gonna tell you how to vote, but I think you should be looking for people to vote for that are concerned about the growth of China because if it goes too far out of hand, all these freedoms we have they will be gone. And 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 again, it does affect investing because it's going to change that as well. But it just worries me that you know for for your kids and and, and so forth, they could grow up with a whole different thing here.
3: And I'm going to kind of say not to worry about the growth <coughs> of China, but how they're growing. Yes, yeah. you know because if they're growing in a, a good fashion, you know they they got businesses coming in doing good for them (coughs) but the way they're doing it yeah i mean and it's so i'm gonna say funny is looking back at last year or two years ago i think it was when hong kong was having those riots and stuff because (laughs) they started taking things away (coughs) and you're so right it's a progression where it's like they're not just going to go in there and take over hong kong in a single day yeah they're not going to do that because they know that the world will look down on that but yeah we'll take away your newspaper we'll take away Mm -hmm. this one bill we'll do this we'll do that and all of a sudden, 20 years from now, Hong Kong is no longer the independent, uh, they're not a country. I, it's like, I forget the, the, the terminology that they use to separate
4: Hong territory, Kong. Territory? It might no, be a not territory, territory,
3: but they, they're supposed <coughs> to be independent from China's right. rule. They're supposed to have their own kind of freedoms that right. people don't have in China. But taking away the press, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I don't always agree with what the press says here in our <laughs> right. country, but you yeah, have the right. right to the press. And to take <coughs> that away, I mean, that is what's really dangerous because the government controls it.
2: Yeah, they, they, they control, and that's what we talk about. And again, we'll people say, oh, it's just Hong Kong, just a little thing. But that's where it kind of starts. And again, China already, what well, do they have? 600, 700 million? No, billion people, right? How many do they have there? <laughs> I think a lot. <laughs> do, you, do you know, uh, Brendan?
5: Well, I know it's called a special administration region.
2: Yep. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, now I know he's going to look up. He's going to tell us how many people are in China. <laughs> because I know it's a lot, and, that, and that's I think it's thing. in the
3: it's in the billions. I want to say I, I, yeah, I think it is about one point
2: one billion. Is my I, it is that's, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, but, maybe but, not. I don't know. But I, but I just vote. want you know people to wake up and and again you've got to realize <clears throat> this is a concern. And when you go to the ballots uh, in next year and, and elections in the future, I think that should be, be a big concern. Like how is this candidate going to take care of our country and defend us against other countries that are building and we can't just turn a blind eye.
3: I will say two things here. Number one, I, this is kind of a bipartisan issue. I know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Democrats that do also talk about combating, uh, China and and the way that they're growing. But I I do worry, are they going to be strong enough? I think some of them just say it because they know it is a concern. Right. What are the actions going to be? The other thing that I do (laughs) want to point out is we talk about Hong Kong, another kind of region that, that China does, talk about as thinking it's theirs is taiwan i was gonna bring up taiwan yeah and you talk about taiwan taiwan semiconductors yeah you talk about the semiconductor shortage we need companies in our country to do the semiconductors because if we rely on taiwan and all of a sudden they get they get taken over by china i mean that is a huge problem i mean china can run the world if they're able to take over different things like that. Oh yeah.
2: And and, and again they're not stupid They're they're, they're quite intelligent. No, the, the, you know? Yeah, it's not like we're they know what they're doing. Idiots. Yeah. I mean they are smart. They do have a different agenda. Um, our agenda is we want a free world, free country. Their agenda is no communism. We want to control things yeah. and um, concerning. So I I just want to kind of point it out because it's something that could hurt us down the road. And we do have these major things that come up. Maybe the next major thing comes up, it's not a virus but it's concerned on how large China is getting and the control that they
3: have. Yeah, and I I will say that um, that's why I'm so glad Intel is getting involved more in the manufacturing of the the semiconductor. Because you look at the major players, it's Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductors. We need somebody in the United States to come in. I I know that they're talking about it as part of the infrastructure play is giving money to kind of semiconductors. I hope they don't give money to Taiwan Semiconductors to build, and (coughs) I know it, it would benefit american jobs because they would build factories here in the united states but i'd rather see intel get that money and, and have them improve it because we know it's an american company we know that, that intel's not going to get taken over by china at least i don't see that happening <laughs> i hope not Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so so but, um, I, I just want to point that out and the other thing too i was going to say uh, kind of going back and i, I don't know if brendan got the the china number yet on on people did we get that
5: yeah uh we got 1.4 billion
2: people wow, wow. 1.4 billion. yeah and there's how many in the united states like 360 million uh, so that's about uh three four times, times four yeah. times yeah three, four yeah.
3: times yeah. yeah yeah that's crazy but um i was gonna kind of go back to the uh millennials and the, the different uh generational groups I, I don't know what they're gonna do next because they had gen x which was after the baby boomers right gen y which is also known as the millennials and then we talked about gen z what yeah. comes after Gen Z? We're, at, we're all, all the way through the alphabet. <laughs> Gen A. We start all over uh, yes. again. <laughs>
2: or Gen ZZ because they'll be sleeping a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so. All right. Phone numbers here. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. We're going to go to San Diego and speak to RJ. He's been waiting very patiently. Good morning, RJ. You're on the Smart best Show. Brent and Chase, how can we help you out?
6: Well, thank you for your comments, and uh, I appreciate uh, going into this area because there's a lot of concern out here about exactly what you have been talking about. Uh, It's been this creeping socialism and so forth, and uh, there's a lot of things that can happen that uh, I think there's a lot of people, many people are having a very unsettling situation as to how big uh, China's getting, and also they have uh, a great... uh, uh, the better amount percentage wise of our pharmaceuticals manufacturer. just realized that not too long oh, yeah. ago. Yeah, great point. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah right. Uh, that, <laughs> that's putting us into a very precarious position because you can shut that thing down to us, and, and now what are we going to do with the pharmaceuticals? We don't have the manufacturer here. Seems like someone had this America First idea, <laughs> and uh, they're no longer in the White House. Um, and and uh, the voting situation, as you described, very important. Yes. I have to agree with you. Very, very important. So, okay. I um, call was actually about Exxon Mobil, and wanted to find out um, how secure is their yield on their uh, uh, their stock.
2: Okay. Well, we'll look at all the, the numbers here because that's what you have to kind of do with the business, see how well they're doing and stuff. And, and with the increase in oil, uh, that has helped the ExxonMobil substantially uh, because now oil is a higher price. Uh, I'm not going to go on the other side because one thing I'm not happy about is that we now are more, uh, we're, not, we're not independent oil anymore, which we were. And unfortunately, now we are uh, dependent on foreign countries once again for our oil. So but let's take a look at uh, ExxonMobil symbols, XOM. Uh, we do have no P.E. ratio. Over the last 12 months, they uh, have not had uh, full year earnings. We do see the price of sales uh, for the last uh, 12 months is 1.5 versus 3.44. That's a positive Price to book value, 1.7 versus 2.2. Price of cash flow, very expensive, 760 versus 9.9. Now, they do pay a 5.4% dividend. The dividend payout ratio is zero because they have no earnings going forward. I'm going to look at some other things while Chase look at the earnings going forward for you, like the cash flow, to see what that's looking like, to see how sustainable this dividend is. We do see that their sales are down 27% year over year, but that is better than the industry decline of 31%. Their earnings per share over the last uh, year, for the last 12 months, uh, down 279%. Something's going on there because the industry is only down 6.7. Now, look at the balance sheet. They do have a pretty decent balance sheet for all the, the stuff they've gone through over the last uh, year through COVID and so forth. Uh, current ratio, 0.8 versus 1.1. A little bit worrisome there. But debt-to-equity for, for uh, Exxon is pretty darn good. It's a 40, and that's half the industry at 80 uh, so I like seeing that. Return on equity is a negative 11.3 versus a negative 23. That's positive. Their net profit margin for the last 12 months just does check in at 10.9 negative. But the industry loses 33 cents on every dollar they bring in. So again, Exxon looking pretty good there. Their receivable turnover is 7.9 versus 6.9. And then inventory turnover for Exxon is 7.2. That is below the industry at 8.2. So Chase... What about the earnings going forward?
3: Yeah, so uh sorry here. Current price for Exxon Mobil is $64.66. It, it, it's right near the 52-week high. It probably hit that yesterday, even, a $64.93. And 52-week low, well, that's $31.11. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $4.50. That would give us a target sell price here at $74.70, which is still a, a little bit off that that current price is sixty four, sixty six. So it would probably be placed in our hold category. I don't think I'd be buying Exxon at these yeah. levels, especially <laughs> near that high. So uh, again, a little bit more room for growth. If you hold it, I'd say probably continue to hold it.
2: And, and actually, I mean, you just look around now. I mean, you drive on the freeway. There's no more driving seventy five. I mean, the freeways are now filled with people, and we're kind of like the last state, almost the last state, I think, to come in and kind of release. You know. Uh, people Open the people <laughs> really be okay, put it that way. Open the economy. Um, so people out there driving. Uh, I, I, RJ, I said I would look at the cash flow for you because it's very important. If you don't have the cash flow, you can't pay the dividend. Uh, a year ago, which would be March, uh, is what we're looking at for the numbers. Uh, their cash flow was positive, it was only $6.2 billion. It is now $9.2 billion. So I do believe that the, the dividend with Exxon is safe. We did have concerns about it about a year ago because they could s- sustain it, and gosh, they did a great job doing yep. that. Now they've got the cash flow. We've got increasing oil prices. So I do believe ExxonMobil will not be cutting their dividend.
3: I know they took a little flack last year, and we were kind of in that camp as well. Yeah. That they cut benefits for employees, and it, it, I, I think that was wrong. I, I feel like they almost should have taken on a little bit more debt even because their balance sheet was okay. But it's kind of hard to continue to pay a dividend, but cut stuff for your employees. And I know you have to take care of your shareholders. But you also have to yeah, take care right. of your employees, which are also right. likely shareholders. Hey,
2: we, did, we didn't hear if they brought those
3: benefits back or I, not. I'm, I'm sure they did, yeah. but I, I can't say yeah. for sure. So, yeah. so you know, it, it was a concern last year, but I, I think it, it looks okay now. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a good name. I, I do wonder as well, um, you know, I, we talked earlier on the show about oil not going anywhere, but I wonder if they are doing anything kind of in the green energy space to kind of help offset potential headwinds there that, that might be coming in from the administration. I
2: can't say specifically, but I'm pretty sure that we hear a lot about Exxon's and the Chevron's, that they are doing other things. Now, the thing that I look at, RJ's, are not going to be as profitable. And, RJ, I, I forgot, did you say you hold it or look at them buying it? Look to buying it. To buying it, yeah. And, and, and so at this point, we wouldn't buy it. And the thing I was going to say, too, was changing – Trying to get green energy and, and so forth. I just don't believe it'll be as profitable in the beginning. But uh, with ExxonMobil, it's got a nice dividend of that 5.4%, uh, but it's just it's too expensive. So, and again, we've been saying this uh, markets don't just go straight up. There could be a pullback, it uh, could be a correction. Uh, so watch it because you will get a better dividend with a pullback, but we would not buy this price.
6: All righty. Uh, Thank you for your service. You've done something very, very noble, I think, for the community that you're spending this much time and try to explain things other than stocks itself. And uh, thank you again and appreciate it. And I'll keep on listening.
2: Okay, RJ, and thank you for your kind comments, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart Vegetable Man, Chase. How can we help you?
7: Hey, morning, guys. Uh, I'm on my second cup after that Padre game last night. <laughs>
3: I know it was a longer game because they scored, <laughs> scored so many runs. <laughs> yeah. We could have shut it
7: off halfway through, but it was just still fun to watch.
3: Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Um,
7: I, a couple of things real quick. I wanted to talk about the dereg- or not deregulation, deregulation of uh, these big tech companies um, with a new kind of person at the helm like this. Are companies kind of like Google, Facebook, Qualcomm who have faced uh, antitrust and FTC cases already in the US and abroad in, in Europe in many cases um, and have had the decision Right or wrong, um, are they now susceptible to another round of investigations and potential lawsuits, or is there now, like, double jeopardy in that aspect?
3: I I would say that they are subject to another round because she has a kind of different agenda than what the prior commissioner had as well. So, And I think it's less of kind of what we've seen with the fines. I mean, it's interesting when you look at some of the fines, it's like, oh, it's a few hundred million. Well, it's nothing to these big tech companies. they I got $50 in cash. Uh, yeah. It's like getting a speeding ticket for $200. I, I'm not happy with it, but it's it's not going to completely derail you. The concern here is right. if they come in with new regulations and say, well, actually, you can't do this. It, it's more the rules that she could create that could limit growth rather than coming out and suing them and, and kind of going that antitrust type um, litigation route. Yeah, and,
2: and it's Got not. Yeah, and it's not that it's it's over. I think it's always going to be there until the government gets what they want. We get the con. I don't say the companies under control, but back to more competitive natures. Because if they really, I mean, you can't go out. I mean, when's the last time we had a new Facebook come out? You know that you can't compete with what yeah. they have. Um, I I mean, it's just very difficult. And That's what the government tries to do. And I'm not always in favor of the government, but they try to keep business fair so you have new innovation come out and competition. Keep prices low. So I don't think uh, the regulations uh, and the, the fighting against the uh, tech companies is over. Uh, I think it will be on until eventually we see them broken out.
3: I mean, that's a great well. example is like on Facebook. You're able to say things and do things that you aren't able to do on, let's say, radio and TV. Yeah. And it's very mm-hmm. interesting that you can post like a video, again, video content, and say compl- something that's out of compliance on TV and radio. That, but it's okay on, on social media. So there there's some things that I think need to be implemented. I'm not saying I'm a big fan of regulation, but I I think there needs to be kind of more of a level playing field for for some of these companies.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and, and unfortunately, a
3: great example there. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately, I think the, the big companies, their, their their stock prices will be hit because they're going to mm-hmm. spend more time on this. they got to divide things up. We talked in the beginning about how uh, Amazon by itself on the retail side really is not yeah. profitable, um, and it's going to hurt shareholders. So, And this happens all the time. I mean, I, I think Amazon trades at, what, 40, 50 times earnings? I mean, yeah. things go up, go up, up, and there's something that changes, comes down. And I, I congratulate people that made a, a lot of money on it. But I also know people like, oh, I'm going to buy Apple and just not look at it in 20 years. That's not a good thing to do with investing because things will change uh, in investing. So you always got to watch your businesses that you own, even if they're public companies.
7: All right, Steve. Thanks, guys. And then uh, one, one more issue, or issue, one more ticker while we're on topic with the oil. Uh, I'm looking at some of these beat-up, you know, especially offshores, and I, I scooped up Transocean for about three and a half, uh, ticker's rigged, R-I-G. And I'm wondering how much longer I should hang on to it or, or just cash out my winning?
2: You know, it's funny. Uh, that's one that I have wanted to buy because I held it, gosh, I would say maybe 10, 15 years ago, made some good money off it. Uh, and I've seen the same thing like, wow, it trades at like $3 a share. Is there something good here? So let's take a look at TransOcean Limited, as uh, similar as RIG. Unfortunately, no P-E ratio, but that is the same as the industry. We do see price of sales looking good, 0.9 versus 1.72. Wow. Price to book value, 0.25 versus 0.98. That's tangible book value. That means you're paying 25 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of Transocean. We do see price of cash flow also looking good, 3.9 versus 10.5. They do not pay a dividend. We do see that their sales were down 1.5% year over year, but industry down 43.8. Earnings per share did climb by 78%, industry up 29%. So I'm like seeing their growth on their sales and their, their earnings changing around there. On the balance sheet, well, still got a good balance sheet. A current ratio 2 versus 2.4. Debt to equity 67 versus 43. So I'm okay with that debt to equity. Return to equity is still a negative 2.4 versus negative 35. Net profit margin checks in at 9. Uh, that's a negative 9, but the interest is negative 71. And then we do see receivable return of 5.2 versus 4.1 inventory turnover 4.3 versus 9.5 chase what do you got for earnings going forward here
3: yeah, so current price here for transocean and ticker symbols rig it's four dollars and 44 cents 52 week high here four dollars and 81 cents and wow <laughs> I mean, you could have to make a lot of money off this stock if you bought it when nobody wanted it It traded at 65 cents i wow. mean the price to tangible book that like you said it's 0.25 right now yeah yeah <laughs> i mean you're talking about what was it in the the Point oh something? Yeah, must, mean, yeah. They, was...
2: they were, you, we'll pay you to buy our assets, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> our tangible
3: assets. Yeah.
7: I mean, they were they were on the verge of of it all being over, and um, now they got. Well, I guess there's a, a delay in a couple exploration ships coming out of Singapore or something. But there's there's good news, and they're in, they're doing business. They're getting their Chevron contracts, uh, Dutch Shell contracts again. Oh. I don't know. Um, I'm happy with what I made. Like I said, I picked it up at three and a half. But do you see it keep going?
3: Yeah, so this is the issue here, Steve. I, I look forward to December 2022. Unfortunately, there's no estimated earnings. Mm. And and this is, uh, they're estimated to lose 74 cents. And even the high analyst here, I look at this. There's, uh, let's see, 12 analysts. The high analyst says they'd lose 43 cents. So wow. they're not asked to make money, which means we can't derive a target sell price. I will tell you, it, it's very tempting because of that price tangible book value. I mean, in theory, things should trade at, Close to one times tangible book value. So there, there could be appreciation there. I don't normally do this, but I'll point out the cash flow per share is estimated to still be 46 cents. Right. So per share. That means that they might be able to still pay their bills and might not need to take on excess debt. Can they pay their interest rate on that debt, however? So there, there's some intrigue here, I, I would say, but it, it's, I, I want to say I like it, but it, it can't get that target sell price.
2: Yeah, and the, the problem too is that the company is doing the right things. I mean, a year ago their debt was uh, nine point one billion; it's now seven point six billion, so they're paying down their debt. Um, also, too, their equity is, is holding strong at eleven billion dollars. But I've done this before as a mistake, where you got a strong balance sheet, but it, it just doesn't go, especially with no analyst showing a positive thing here. So, um, you've got a strong business that I can think can turn things around, but it may take five, ten years. It's just not worth it because, as Chase said, there's no earnings going forward. Uh, That's not something you want to be invested into. As much as I would like to say it is, it's just not.
3: Yeah. Yeah, And the thing is, they have a strong balance sheet now. Are things going to change? And if they're not able to turn that profit here, that balance sheet could look terrible in five years. So it's something to be cognizant of. You've done well with it. It could go, let's say, to $8 a share, and it could double. But, you know, it, it also could worsen and, and things could be a, a big negative here and it, it, it's just when we don't see estimated earnings going forward we know we miss some companies but it, we don't like to take that risk
2: yeah, and and see i mean it, it's kind of like a gamble here and sometimes the gambles pay off but we can't tell you that's a good investment because it's just not there with the earnings and that's why we'll you-
7: probably uh I'll probably set some limits for Monday and maybe
2: take my 20% and
7: buy more Padre tickets. There you go. go. (laughs) Get get the good seats there. (laughs) I really like the show, guys. Listen every weekend. Uh, Have a good one.
2: Thanks for being there, Steve. Appreciate it. You have a great weekend as well. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before we go back to the phones. Let's go to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How about yourself? Well, good. We talked the other day that people say, well, where are you at today? So you're kind of becoming our travel expert. Are you in San Diego? Are you out of town today?
8: <laughs> That's what everyone always says. So today I'm in San Diego, but next week with the 4th of July, I'll be out of town. I'll be in Arizona at the lake. So I'll probably be... Falling from the lake next Saturday. All right, you give us a, a report next week from uh, from
2: <laughs> Arizona. Arizona,
3: yes, yeah, so. uh, I will. And I will <laughs> say, to be fair, you are from Arizona, so <laughs> you go back to see your family. It's not like you're just traveling all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
8: But, yeah it's, it's for the family, families back home. So,
2: <laughs> well, today we're talking about uh, self-directed IRAs and, and how does this fit into
8: financial planning, Harrison? It's a it's a good question, and um, I, I actually see this fairly often. Uh, two people I've talked to in the last week. Uh, have self directed IRAs. So, usually when you think of an IRA, you can have an account at like Charles Schwab or something, you can buy stocks, bonds, that kind of thing. Um, but also, you can use an IRA, a self directed IRA, to invest in real estate. So, that could be residential, commercial, land, trustees, notes, all kinds of different real estate investments you can hold inside IRAs. And so, at the end of the day, When we have an IRA, whether it's invested in equities or real estate or anything else, the purpose of it is to grow your wealth over time and then eventually use that to generate income for you in retirement. But we still have the same type of issues of, well, anything that comes out of that IRA, whether it's a a rent distribution from – from the real estate that you have or uh, a distribution from the cash that you have in, a, in from a stock portfolio or whatever it's all taxable income at ordinary tax rates it's all subject to rmds when you turn 72 hopefully 75 if this bill goes through congress so uh, you know it, it still is a, a part of your overall financial plan and you know I talk to a lot of people and they're like you know we're we have a different situation we have an IRA in real estate can you help us and the answer is absolutely I, I see it fairly regularly we still need to understand it and make sure it's working for you and then um, look at the tax implications of it to make sure that it's it's going to benefit you in retirement
3: and I, I will say too that there's some things to be very cognizant of I know the rules are are very. I'm going to say difficult to kind of manage. And if you don't follow the rules, the penalties can be quite high.
8: Absolutely. So with a self-directed IRA in real estate, there's a lot of extra paperwork. There's a lot of extra regulations. A lot of time that translates into extra costs because you have to have a third party do pretty much everything. So, for example... You cannot use the real estate yourself. You can't go and fix anything yourself. You can't buy or sell to any type of related party without running into huge tax consequences and penalties. Actually, um, so a quick story on that. Chase and I, when we were in college, we went down to Mexico for spring break. oh a- uh-huh. <laughs> should, should we continue <laughs> on here? With- <laughs> <laughs> but when we went down there, we stayed in my neighbor's penthouse. And so mm. after the fact, I found out that that penthouse was actually held in an IRA that she owned, but she used it for personal use all the time, which again, you cannot do that. If the IRS ever found out about that, she would have a huge uh, tax problem because of it. Again, it's, they're very strict on that kind of stuff.
2: Oh, I, I, I can imagine. And one thing that kind of surprised me was I, I believe you said that if you hold it, uh, that the real estate in a, uh, a self-directed IRA you can't even fix the property yourself?
8: No. If, if you get a leak or something, I mean, you'll still have tenants, um, but if uh, you, know, you need to re- replace uh, something, you have to hire somebody else, go pay someone else to go out there, and then pay for the cost, all with money inside the IRA. If you go in there and do it yourself, it screws everything up. So yeah, you have to be very careful with it.
4: Yeah.
3: And also too, I want to talk about the custodian. I, I know we were talking to uh, a couple this past week that, that had one and, they're they're done with it because it, it's just way too hard and I know he's in, in construction so he wanted to kind of do it himself and he can't. But yeah. the other thing is the custodians. The custodians are not Charles Schwab. They're not, you know, yeah. T D Ameritrade, E Trade. They're they're not these kind of big companies. They're a little bit hard to find. And I think sometimes the customer service is, is terrible. And I
8: think
2: they're expensive
3: too, aren't they, Harrison?
8: They are, and a lot of times, you know, you have the custodian themselves that actually, who actually, you know, holds the asset for you, and then on top of that, you have a separate third-party manager or the regulation and compliance side of it to make sure you're doing everything correct. So, you have all these moving parts, and for them, it's been such a hassle that uh, they really haven't been able to do anything for a couple of years now, um, just because, you know, it's at a standstill, they can't get a hold of anybody, they, they can't do the things they want to do, so... You know, it's, it, investing in real estate definitely has advantages to it. Um, there's also a lot of disadvantages, and when you add the IRA side of it, it, it just makes things very complicated. It can be done, but there's a lot of things you have to really be careful about.
2: And, and Harrison, I want to point out that uh, that's why you're on a salary. You don't sell product because if somebody comes in with this, you're not going to say, oh, you know, sell this and, and buy these mutual funds. You're going to say, okay, well, if that's what you want, we're going to work with it, but we got to do it right. You're going to guide them to do it the correct way. And had you, you know, I think you said your neighbor from uh, Arizona, had you, she come into you and said you cannot stay in your own place if it's in your IRA. So you guide people correctly to make sure they don't get caught. Because I'd imagine if the IRS caught you on that. Oh, gosh. It all all becomes taxable, right, Harrison? What's that? What happened?
4: Uh,
8: I a yeah, contact. it either all becomes taxable or a huge chunk of it becomes taxable, depending on, you know, if you use it or you fix something, there's there's all these little intricate rules, but none of them are good. It's not like a slap on the wrist or, you know, something that can be corrected easily. It's it's a problem. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, as you said, Brent, my job isn't to say, OK, you need to sell this and buy something else. It's well, let's look at the asset. How is it performing? What's the cash flow? What's the overall return that you're getting? Do you have a mortgage on it, which also complicates things from a tax perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if it's working for you, great. If it's not, then what, what alternatives can we look at, and or how could we make it better?
2: Yeah, and that's one thing we do at our firm. You know, investment-wise, we explain to people what things are, and as a financial planner, you explain what they are, because I had no idea that, and I now I think about it, yeah, I, I can see it, that if you did not follow the rules for your self-directed IRA or your real estate, the IRS could say, well, sorry, it's not a retirement account, and therefore that $500,000 piece of property you have that is now all taxable because it's not in the IRA. It's not treated as an IRA. Is that correct? Just confirm?
8: In some cases, yeah, that is the yeah. case. It, it becomes taxable, and then if you're under 59 and a half, there's the additional 10% oh, penalty on that. So, I mean, it can be a huge, huge problem. Right. And,
2: and ignorance of the law does not help you, does it? <laughs> no, not when it comes to the
8: IRS. <laughs>
2: That's why you need a good financial planner. Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, we'll
8: see you on Monday. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday.
2: Okay, bye-bye. Again, as our Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. He is a CFP. Uh, he is a uh, separate from our investment side. I mean, he is on a salary. Uh, we, we do charge fees for the financial planning, so he's biased. He's there to work for you. If you want to have a free consultation with him, you can call him at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And if you currently have a financial planner, I encourage you to compare. I mean, you compare your car insurance. You compare different things you're buying. Compare your financial planner. Go talk to Harrison. Find out what he has to say and see if it's a better job than your financial planner. Yep. I mean, it's again, you're planning for your retirement, for your future. I mean, gosh, why? Why mess around with it?
3: Yeah. No, so, definitely.
2: Yeah. All right. Phone numbers 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. We finally have the Facebook Live uh, up and working, yes, for the past two weeks. And I and I guess um Brendan said that there's something crazy going on with the iPads. We well, always use on the iPad. And he said we're not using the iPad this time. We're using the actual iPhone. We'll come better, but something crazy. Uh, do you want to explain, Brendan, quickly what's going uh, on with the I've iPads? I've been just
5: looking up internet boards, and everyone's complaining about iPads and being on Facebook Live, and it's just choppy audio. So we're using your phone instead, and it's working perfectly. So no complaints now. All right. Well, well that's good. Where's it going to go with that? Oh, going go to go back to Facebook, Facebook for the question. question. <laughs> yeah. I see Jason has a question.
2: Uh, Chase, can you read the question for us?
3: Yeah, so he, he wants to look at a company, but also kind of had a, a quick general question. He uh, says he has a Roth IRA funding question for the past six years. Simply put, all $12,000, both his and his wife's Roths, uh, fully funded, on January 1st each year. Would it be better to space that out and buy every few months? I know it's impossible to time the market, but i have like fully funding and let it, it run. Thanks.
2: Yeah, and this is one thing that for, gosh, 20 years, 30 years, I've been in the business 40 years. Even back when IRAs first came out, you always want to fund it first of the year. Reason being is that you get the deferred compounding. And now what you have to do is kind of what we do, is you can't just say, okay, I funded it, I'm gonna buy something right away. Yeah. But if you put it into the Roth, or the traditional IRA as well, in the beginning of the year, you have that compounding, or not compounding, but that growth, that that in that return that will not be taxable.
3: And, and I'll say some years it'll pay off more to invest it all at once, and some years it'll pay off to kind of spread it out over time. I mean, because, spread out over time you know you might have missed the beginning of covid last year and then got to buy it on, on lower dips but also on right. the other side if you would have fully funded let's say at the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2019 when we had that big pullback what would have made more sense to fully fund it at the beginning of 2019 so you're right. you're kind of accomplishing the same goal because you're still funding it each year you're in and you're out yeah. so i i I, as I said, it, it's going to be – some years it works better to fund throughout. Some years it works better to fund it all at once.
2: I, I, I disagree with you because, again, to fund it is important, but to invest it is something different. And, and that's why – and I'm looking at how we do stuff. Is that we – we have times – I mean, if somebody gave us, you know, the, the $6,000 on January 1 of, of uh, 2019, I think, was, yeah. we may have not invested it throughout the year, but you want to get it in there because – and the other thing, too, if you had it outside of the account, and you're earning something on it, you'll pay tax on it. So I'm going to disagree. We disagree again.
3: Well, I'm going to disagree with your disagreement. Well, well, no, I didn't finish my (laughs) disagreement yet. Hold on. (laughs) My
2: disagreement is is that you should always fund at the beginning of the year because you don't know what's going to happen throughout that year, and it can benefit you more than it can hurt you.
3: Yeah, so the thing I look at is— Oh, wait, time for break. (laughs) Got to go. (laughs) Is when you look at it, though, I mean, you know, as much as we took caution at the beginning of last year, we didn't— Buy everything at the absolute bottom. So right. my point being is, you're gonna kick yourself sometimes. Is oh, I should have funded it throughout rather than right. all at once. But I used to fund monthly because of cash flow. Right. So it also depends on your cash flow. If you don't have six thousand, yeah. yeah, spread it out. But yeah. to me, as long as you fund it within the year, you're doing a good thing. Yes. yes. And you know, if you fund it all at once or you fund it throughout the the year. I am indifferent to it. I, I know you have your preference. Right. I I think it works either way, and okay. I think you're going to have some benefits and then some benefits other. Times. But you didn't answer Jason's question. He's I didn't. To ask. I what I, 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 do? I took a I took, a, I took a, right. a very I took a very political answer there, by, there you by go. going around it. <laughs>
2: yeah, there you so actually, I guess we've done nothing because you think eh, it might be okay to fund it throughout the yeah. year. I'm saying no. You should fund I'm it at the it beginning talks. of the year. Uh, that's in finance books. I believe you should do. It. Where did, where is that in finance books? <laughs> Oh, time of that breaking. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's written somewhere. It's written down somewhere. <laughs> but, um, um, and I was going to say, and plus I've been doing it for 42 years. So yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I've, I've had the experience. <laughs> so, but you are right, though. If you obviously don't have the money, it is far better to do don't put it put it on a credit card and go nope. credit card debt. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even think of that one yet. Yeah, don't do that one. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So, Jason, so you can decide who you want to go with. I'm saying fun of the uh, begin of the year. Chase is saying, okay, fun throw. I'll
3: there. give Jason an answer. Since he's already funding it fully, just continue funding it fully.
2: There we go. <laughs> you know?
4: There we
3: go. We like that.
2: Well, shoot, we got six minutes left, and we had no phone calls. That's that has not happened in a long time. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 866-577- 577 2473, all lines are open. What do you got there, Jason? I
3: was going to say, uh, Jason, I was also curious about Cigna. And I oh. I know that's an interesting okay. kind of healthcare play. So I, I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at Cigna before we close out this first hour. Is, is there a symbol CI?
2: C-I. Well, that, that doesn't sound like a, a Cigna. I thought it'd be CIG, is what I thought it would be, but I, I guess not. So let's see what comes up here. We'll talk about Cigna Corporation. Symbol is CI. We do have a good start here. I'm liking this PE ratio 10.2 versus 29. For the industry, price of sales 0.5 versus 1.0. No price to book value for Cigna or the industry, but price of cash flow for Cigna is 7.2 versus 10 for the industry. So you want your valuation ratios lower than the industry. We do see Cigna pays a 1.7% dividend. I'm checking this number. That's a pretty decent dividend, but they only use 4% of their earnings to pay that out. That's a pretty low payout for, for a decent dividend. We do see sales year over year were up 5.8% above the industry at 4.1. Earnings per share for Signet climbed by 78.7, above the industry at 65.4. Uh, it is a financial company, so there's no current ratio. Debt to equity is 66.4 versus 120. We do see return on equity is 18.1 versus 12.3. Net profit margin checks in at 5.2 versus 3.8, and no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward?
3: Yeah, so looking at the current price here for Cigna Corporation, it's $237.10. 52-week high, $272.81. So we've seen a little bit of a pullback here. But it is still off the 52-week low of $158.84. If we look at December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $23.13. That would give us a target sell price of three hundred eighty-three dollars and ninety-six cents. So, so good appreciation there. And one thing I'll point out that I really like to see as well is that that earnings growth is occurring quite nicely. I mean, I look at December two thousand twenty; they made eighteen dollars and forty-five cents. This year, they're estimated estimated to make twenty dollars and forty-three cents. And then next year, twenty-three dollars and thirteen cents. I mean, that, that's pretty pretty sound earnings growth mm-hmm. and, and a very good valuation. I I gotta say I I, I like this one. It's in healthcare. Yeah. Uh, it's the insurance side of the healthcare. I'd want to know a little bit more about kind of what they service, essentially, who their customers are, but uh, definitely intriguing.
2: Yeah, because I think they are just a healthcare company. And, and again, before we say yes, this is a good buy, because it does look like a good buy, I, I will also point out that I like insurance companies. I learned a long time ago from uh, uh, Christopher Davis, Shelby Davis, well known value investors back from the 40s and 50s, they started. Um, insurance companies always do very well and that's not changed you know 40 50 60 years later they're not going to double in price but when you invest in a good insurance company over time you can make a decent return we'll say uh, 10 maybe 15% is what you could get off a good insurance company so you're not going to get that you know 400% pop on it but it's a good stable in in your in your uh, portfolio but again i would i would Want to know what they do on the insurance i think they are in health care which could be crazy yeah but do they also sell other things like uh, life insurance or other types of insurance as well so i'd want to know that but i i think it's worth the research on this one i i, I like it
3: yeah i mean it looks like it just kind of pulling pulling it up here it looks like they, they just focus on health coverage so really yeah So i, I like it I, i'm gonna give people a little secret here i just added it on my phone to my watch list we gave that secret away? I gave that secret oh, away. wow. Okay. So what that means, is I'm going to go do research. I'm not going to give people the answer if we <laughs> like it or not. I'm just telling people, right. we're, I'm going to look into this one. It, it right. looks It looks intriguing. And that does not mean you go out and buy it because we put it on our watch list. Yeah. I mean, you do the research <laughs> yeah. like we're going
2: to do to do it. And if you want to do that, well, you can come in and be a client, and we can kind of show you what we're doing. Yeah. So. But Jason, I hope that helps out. There are great questions. And Jason, gosh, he's been following us for what? and 15 years it's been a long time long
3: time yeah yeah a long time so we appreciate that and he's not even in san diego he's in uh gosh where is he wisconsin i think, wisconsin. Yeah, I think yeah i think you're right he's, you can he does practice something. there on facebook if i'm wrong but yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah i know because I, I know he's listening yeah so and you know it's funny too and maybe because we've not been on facebook for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. now uh we used to get like three or four people from facebook but uh kind of facebook is slow too i do i do want to point out i do see miguel uh, in San Diego, uh, you'll be coming up uh, first out of the break when we come back. Uh, you want to call in. The phone numbers are 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, we will definitely get to you. you. got the full lounge. You had something to comment to,
3: Jason. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think people must be sleeping after that Padres win last night. Must have stayed up late.
2: You know, I hate to say this because we left. Uh, we did leave a little bit early. Was the final score change in the last
3: it was 11 to five i think it was 11 to five yeah. so i think we
2: missed i think it was a little bit early so yeah. i think i missed a run or two and I, as I was walking out i heard the cheering like oh shoot I think something. <laughs> <Yeah. happened." laughs> but it was a great game i mean gosh i mean just so many good things going on so but um all right so yes we do have all the phone lines cleared up so if you want to call in again 866-577-2473 you got an investment question you want to know about a company that you're looking at buying Uh, maybe on your portfolio not sure if you'd hang on to it or you should sell it maybe buy more of it Uh, that's the other thing to look at too that's what we're here for to help you out help try to guide you through the investment uh world here so to speak
3: yeah Yeah. it's uh that's what we're here for and hopefully we get some callers picking up in the the second
2: hour here well i just looked over i see brendan just picked up the phone so somebody was smart to get in early oh perfect yeah yeah so we'll have some good calls coming up um and as always we're here to answer those questions for you and again we can talk about these stocks you have investment questions that are maybe just new to investing. We're here to kind of help you guide over the 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 myriad of different questions in investing. So yes. stay with us. We'll be back in about two minutes, I think. Yep. yep. Alrighty, welcome back. I don't think that was even two minutes uh, that we had a break there. Gosh, got to get a little bit longer break. I mean, I, I barely get to take a sip of water. Like, oh, we're back on again. But we love being here. We love answering questions. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. If you just tuned in, you are listening to the Smart Investing Show. Brent and Chase Wilsey. Uh, gosh, we been doing the show for 28 years. So hopefully you're enjoying the show. Here to answer your questions. With that said, let's go out to San Diego. And speak with Miguel. Miguel, you're on the morning. Invest Show Brent Chase. How can we help you out?
9: Hey. Um, I really love your show, first off. Thank, Thank you. you. So thanks for having me on. And I uh, love your workshop as well. I was there uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it was a great time. Oh, by the way, so let me just jump into my question. So sure. there's this company called Silvergate Capital that I made a boatload of money off. Of. Um, I bought it near when the IPO happened, essentially. And I want to know if it has some upside to it still. Uh, it's sort of staggered, right? Be- begin to sort of plateau. You can say around the time of the election. Um, and I want to see what you know in terms of its actual value and in its, in its current price. Like what the difference really is, so to speak. And, and Miguel, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: Miguel. I'm curious. What does what this uh, Silvergate Capital do? Yeah. Sounds like a funding company or something. What, what do they do? well basically
9: it's a bank so originally they started out yeah giving home loans but um now they ventured into um, providing services to crypto companies so uh, if you talk about etoro they use them which is a crypto company like it's a uh, trading exchange but it's great because it's not directly correlated to the price of crypto but it still uh, benefits uh, does benefit from the crypto market from business the transactions and things of that nature and uh, they have their own um, API that's programmable and things of that nature to support um, crypto companies that are either emerging or you know that are operating currently
2: So, so Miguel and, do they make money uh, off of crypto just on the transactions whether it goes up or down or how, how does that work? Do you know, you
9: know the, I looked at the site it looks like they make money from the uh, services they provide For example, exposing um, APIs to transfer money and um, sort of provide the the backing of uh, the back end for a lot of these services. Um, That's as far as I really know. I don't know like the uh, the technicals of it, but that's about it. And in addition to that, they have regular like checking accounts and home loans and things of that nature as well.
3: Yeah, I I was going to say it looks like when I just kind of look at the profile of this company, they... They do a lot in the real estate side. I'd just be curious that the breakdown of their services, kind of where they're making money because we do talk about interest rates rising. I, I do worry about that from mortgage lenders because uh, it's not going to be as easy to gener- generate like refinances. And you know, even home loans, I think, will be less less common. I mean, we, we saw a huge surge last year. So just something to consider. And I was going to say it's funny. We could maybe go ask what this company does after the show. They're here in La Jolla, mm-hmm. and really? <laughs> their address is 4250 Executive Square. I think it's somewhere in this yeah. area. Uh, y- y- yeah, it's right over <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can almost see them another great part about it, right? Yeah. yeah. And we'll go over there. It's like, yeah, that's another great part. Yeah. And I'm
2: always afraid to do that. You go over there, it's like it's a one-person office. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, yeah. but again, it is worth looking into if you're in the company. Let, let's look at the numbers here for Silvergate Capital Corporation. Symbol is S-I. We do see not a great start here, Miguel, because the PE ratio is 61 versus 12 for the industry. Uh, price to sales are expensive, 25 versus 2.9. Price to book value looks okay. It's 3.6 versus 1.6. And price to cash flow is 65 versus not material for the industry. So the valuation ratios is uh, kind of feeling kind of high here. They do not pay a dividend. We do see year over year their <clears throat> their sales are up 2.2%. <clears throat> the industry is up point. Two. Their earnings did climb by 58%, well above the industry of 14.7. Looking at the uh, financial uh, strength here, the balance sheet, and they are a financial company, so a little bit different balance sheet, but their debt to equity is only 2.2 versus 3.13, so there's not going to be much debt on the balance sheet, which is a positive. Return on equity is 7.2 versus 10.7. Net profit margin, they have one, and it's very good, 33.6 versus 24.7. Chase, I'm curious on the market cap and the earnings going forward on this company.
3: Yeah, this company's pretty sizable. I mean, it, really? it's yeah. obviously not as big as your, your big banks, but it's got a market cap of about $2.7 billion, So it's a decent wow. size there. Um, looking at the current price, $102.33 for Silvergate <laughs> Capital. 52-week high, $187.86. And uh, kind of as you said here, Miguel, you made a boatload of money off it. I, I see the 52-week low, $12.05. So it, it's really done quite well off of that that low there also kind of surprised it pulled back as much as it has but uh, something to kind of be cautious of especially if i look out to 2022 i see estimated earnings per share of three dollars and 32 cents would give us a target sell price of just let's see here 55 dollars and 11 cents so it is still expensive i i do worry i know you said they don't uh, make money off the price of the cryptos but it looks like it might be trading with the cryptos right in terms of where they're kind of sitting in terms of their price depreciation lately,
2: and I speculate because I used to have oh, yeah. back in the '90s. I used to have I was worked for a company uh, for about a year. I think it was. Our office was at 4225 Executive Square, and on the bottom floor was a bank. Now I don't think it was this bank, obviously, but I'm wondering if they're on the bottom floor in that banking area there. So I, if we get some time, I might want to go back go check it out. I think we have a slow week this week where I don't have a workshop, so maybe we'll just swing by and. <laughs> Can I check it out. And Miguel, since you hold it, uh, we should see you there checking it out as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> it could be it. It was found right. in 1988. Yeah. Maybe it could be. Yeah. Miguel, well, thank you very Absolutely. much. That's, that's a great call. We should say buy more of it, but it does look like a sell based on what we have. But uh, I think we, I would love to go check it out. Yeah. So. All ready? Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. You're welcome. Have a great one. Right. Bye bye.
10: You too. All
2: right. All right. That does open the phone line 866. 577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Kathy. Kathy, you're on the Smart Vesture Brent and Chase. How can we help you?
1: Hi, good morning. So, thank you. I love your show and I appreciate your taking my call. I was curious about uh, Macy's, um, doc symbol
2: M. Okay, well, we appreciate you being there and calling in. Got to ask you, Kathy, do you Shop at Macy's. Yes, I do. Good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I. Yeah. I always have. Always have. Yeah, because I know my fiance does as well, and they've got some great deals. We've got some good buys over there. I
3: was gonna say, it is always funny when people say, "I want to ask about Macy's. Do you shop there? (laughs) No, I hate Macy's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, probably don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's good. You shop there, (laughs) so
2: so we know you shop there, Kathy. Uh, and I'm not like, yeah. saying I hate Macy's. <laughs> I'm just saying it's <laughs> some funny. people say <laughs> uh, Do you own the stock or are you looking to buy it?
1: I do, I, I do, and have for for some time. So just curious, it's had quite a, a nice you know run since opening you know post COVID. So just thought uh, I'd like to hear your opinion. All
2: right, let's take a look at Macy's Incorporated. Their symbol is M, as in Macy's. Uh, unfortunately, Kathy, no PE ratio versus 67.9 for the industry. Price to sales looks very good, 0.3 versus 3.7. Price to book value, 4.3 versus 20. That's phenomenal. And then price to cash flow also looking very good for Macy's, 8.9 versus 25. Again, the valuation ratios, you want them lower than the industry average. I know they used to pay a dividend. They no longer pay the dividend. We could see that dividend come back. We do see sales are down 13.1% versus the industry up 33.7%. However, earnings per share for Macy's were up, and this is year over year for the last 12 months, 92%. But the industry was up 455, but I'm, I'm okay if a company grows their earnings at 92% year over year. The balance mm-hmm. sheet is not quite as good as I would like to see it. We have a current ratio of 1.3 versus 1.1. That is okay. What I don't like seeing is a debt to equity is 181 versus 59. Mm-hmm. And you really got to check that debt to see what it is. But that's an awful lot of debt mm-hmm. I, I don't like to go much above 120. when we see return mm-hmm. equity that's a negative 9.6 versus a positive 27.7 net profit margin is a negative 1.3 the industry is a positive 5.4 we see receivable is 105 versus 21 that is good but inventory turnover not so good 2.8 mm-hmm. versus 8.2 so i'm of unhappy with that because we want that fast turnover on their inventory. Jace, what about the earnings going forward?
3: Yeah, so current price here for Macy's $19.62. 52 week high, well, that's $22.30, so pulled back a little bit off that high. And 52 week low, well, that's $5.57. Now I got to January 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.09, what gives the target sell price of $34.69. So the value is there with Macy's. One thing I do want to point out, however. Is this year they're asking to make $2.16. I would think next year would accelerate even right. further. But I, I will say there is one analyst that says next year they'd make just $0.65, cents, which I think is bringing that down. But I, I still just want to make sure there is that growth story there. And obviously, very easy to grow off of last year's numbers because they lost $2.21 mm-hmm. because of the shutdown. So yeah. they're growing this mm-hmm. year, but I want to see. Can they sustain growth moving forward? And I know I think the CEO's Jeff Gannett, I think is his name, and mm-hmm. I know he's been quite prominent. I, I think he's doing a pretty good job. It's hard being in the malls, so I, I think is the difficulty for Macy's.
2: It, it, and Kathy, I know we, over the last year or two, we've kind of looked at buying Macy's and so forth. And, and again, I, as I told you, my fiancee, she shops her, and I go with her shopping and so forth. Uh, some of the deals you get there, I mean, she found these gold earrings, like 1500 By the time she did, and the salesperson did whatever, we got the earrings for four hundred and fifty dollars, which is a phenomenal deal. Mm. But I'm looking on the mm-hmm. other side: what kind of profit they make <laughs> <get laughs> off of that? You know, and it's not just that one. I mean, they, they have a lot of great deals there for shopping. Um, so, and I guess maybe that keeps the, the people there. But I do kind of worry with that, and I don't like that high debt. Um, so, per- percentage wise, okay, how much does it make up of your portfolio, Kathy? Not,
1: not too much. Fifteen percent. Fifteen
2: percent. Yes. Okay, now that's pretty high. Yeah. I mean, usually when we get to a company, we'll say 12 to 15%, we start pairing it back because we initially buy about 6% okay. of a portfolio. So 15% is pretty high because if that debt okay. becomes a problem or, as Chase said, their earnings start declining next year, that, that could really hurt your overall portfolio.
3: Especially do you own any other retail in the portfolio there, Kathy, or just Macy's it? No other, just, okay. just that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: there's something yeah. else to consider. But, yeah, 15% is a little high. I, you know if you understand the debt, I mean, that that's that's my big holdup with Macy's. Yeah,
2: and, and okay. one thing that you may want to consider, Kathy, is selling some of the Macy's and then buying uh, another retailer. But we like to buy the companies that actually manufacture the products, that's what we like to do because sometimes the retailers get mm. caught in the middle. So maybe find a good uh, mm-hmm. company that makes a great product that you like. Maybe. So, all righty, okay,
1: all right, great, thank you both so much. I
4: appreciate it. You're welcome. Have Thanks you for
2: care. calling. Have a great one. Bye bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Uh, Chase, what do you shop? I don't shop. Well, I don't really shop either. What if we go shopping? It's always Christina, my <laughs> fiance that's that's doing the shopping. I, I think once a year, like, Oh, I, I wanna buy something. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um. But but it is kinda nice because I get to go out there, see what's going on. I kinda feel the, the retail market and
3: stuff, so Yeah, I I don't know. I um last time I, I went shopping, we went to like Nordstrom. Actually I got some cool shirts at untuck it. I don't know if you've ever been oh, yeah. there. Are they public? I don't think they're public. I think yeah. they're private. So, um that's a kind of a cool spot, but um, yeah, I don't do a whole lot of shopping. Yeah, I like to shop at Costco. <laughs> well, there we go.
2: Okay, all right. But, but I just but it, it is kind of nice to kind of go out and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk to your fiance Taylor a little bit and say, okay, Taylor, come on, You've gotta get Chase out there shopping a little bit. <laughs> no, no. no, just shaking his head, Yeah. So, all right, uh, let's go. Uh, let's go up to uh, Oceanside. I think it was next, and uh, speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the smart vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you?
11: Hey, good morning, guys.
2: How you doing? Good. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, yeah. Um... I don't know if I'd be telling
11: people about the, you know, the, all your party and wild parties on the weekend at the Padre game and coming in a little foggy you because know, uh, <laughs> managing,
2: managing people's money.
11: You know.
2: Well, we don't manage the money on Saturday. <laughs> we do it on Monday.
11: Oh, I, I, I want my guy sharp seven days a week. <laughs> all right.
3: Well, I guess we won't be your
2: guy.
11: <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, um I, I'm guessing a self-directed IRA is different than a traditional IRA
3: it's still the, the same function in terms of the taxes, but uh in terms of the way you direct it, yeah. Oh okay. Into it.
11: Yeah. yeah. Well that's something. And the oil companies, I'd stay away from them myself. I mean I own an oil company, but I've been like getting rid of my higher price stuff. I got just low price stuff now to, for the dividend. But you know, it doesn't matter if the stick of be in business, it's less less is less, you know.
2: Yeah, well Unless profitable gonna make a profit
3: yeah well it'll yeah. change too because the the volume might decline but then as i said the the margins are gonna have to change as well so then the price might go up but you, you know it's going to be dynamic as as always and we'll see what happens a good example, were you guys
11: talking about um container vessels um in the past I thought maybe you know
2: I don't think tra- I'm, well tra- we talked about transocean and I know that they transport oil I don't know if they use container yeah. vessels I, don't I about- how they do it yeah
11: I was looking at the container, you know, how, how much they're charging for containers now. It's like, like, it's just crazy Oh yeah. how much the price has gone up and how much, how long they have to wait because they haven't got any employees. And and I'm just wondering if it's too late to get in that boat or um, or not. <laughs> I don't know if you guys looked into that.
2: Is that a pun that you just did there?
11: Yeah. <laughs> get in that boat.
4: <laughs>
11: it was not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you guys looked into that at all? Because, I mean, it's like astronomically way more expensive to, uh, to rent a container.
2: We have not, um, but I almost feel that, that we, we kind of missed the missed boat. The boat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I think to do that probably should have been like six, maybe nine months ago. So where know. were you, Joe? Where were you six, nine months ago? <laughs> yeah. Bring that up, my not? <laughs> uh, uh, not? Not
11: looking at that stuff, I guess, you know, and I should have been. But but that, you
2: kind of um, learn from that. We always try to think ahead, like what's going to happen 12, 24 months from now? So I think, again, uh, you know, we missed a container opportunity, but we are thinking well, what's gonna be the big thing twelve to twenty four months from now. So
11: Yeah, that's a ticket, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah. So so Joe
11: Anyways I didn't really yeah. call in for this, but I just thought I'd throw it in there that oh, sticker, you know, S P C E uh, just just because this is you know, that's just kind of what you do here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and and do you hold that or look at buying it?
11: Well I'm sure you know the fundamentals will be excellent on it, but uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well we do <laughs> yeah, know you know
11: I own I own it and I'm kinda of bummed that I kinda of, got rid of half my holdings on it you know before yeah yesterday
2: cuz we, we did see this past week they had a big pop one day I forget what it was don't remember it was, was it yesterday
3: oh no I know the reason the FAA approved people flying to space
2: i would never fly to space yeah yeah but okay let's look at the numbers here cuz i am kind of curious and I, i'm sure they make no sense at all but i i'm just curious on how and and the company is called virgin Galactic Holdings Incorporated. I think a lot of people buy this because of Richard Branson. Yeah. He's a man behind it, uh, you know, kind of a genius there. Uh, PE ratio, nothing there. The industry's at 1,111. Uh, no price of sales. We're so not making sales. Uh, price to book value, they have one, twenty-three versus not material for the industry. No cash flow. Uh, they really don't have any sales, I said. There's, there's nothing there. What is good about Virgin Galactica is they do have a balance sheet and the current ratio is five point seven versus one point four. So a lot of liquidity and no debt on the balance sheet, uh, versus one thirty two for the industry. So there's no return on equity, no profit margin, nothing else there. I don't think they have any earnings going forward.
3: Is that correct, Chase? Yeah. No. I mean, I, I was just going to look at the yeah. There's no estimated earnings, uh, but the. Current price, $55.91. And yesterday, I, I know this is why Joe said he's bummed he sold half his stake because it was up 39% yesterday. Just so yesterday. Why? Big, big, big pop. 52-week uh, low, though, $14.27. And the high, I think it did probably reach $62.80 yesterday. So it did pull back a little bit from the high yesterday, it appears. Uh, one thing, too, that, that I do look at with this company is Virgin Galactic going to be the company that delivers this. I know Jeff right. Bezos... Uh, kind of pulled back from Amazon a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. to focus more on, I think it's going to be Blue Origin, which I do believe is going to be a competitor with this. Is there going to be other players as well? That's why this is such a speculative stock is because there's not really an industry for it just yet. Who are the players going to be that went out? We'll see. And I, I know I don't think I'd go to space. I don't, it scares me. <laughs> yeah, it scares me. I
2: just going to plane It scares me sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the FAA approved just for Virgin Galactic or for the entire industry?
3: I believe for Virgin Galactic, yeah. Okay. The FAA, FAA approval to fly passengers to space, yeah. And
2: is not Musk doing something in space as well?
3: Well, he has SpaceX, but I don't know if he does is kind of going for the same niche of kind of like a, a consumer type consumer trip. Type. I know he right. does more like spaceships yeah. to actually send people to space, like for for science. I right. don't think he. I don't know if he's involved as much on the. kind of a fun trip to space he could change on monday oh yeah yeah
2: so uh joe i mean i you know i think it's a pretty exciting thing to be because it's it's like the new frontier they used to call it which now i mean a lot more people are doing it um i just don't know how it's going to work and just let unfortunately one rocket not do well uh these will not do well it would be very that would delay people going to space for years to come so all right,
4: Joe, does that help you out? Well,
11: you got to live a little bit because, you know, they're only going to the edge of space. And the whole thing is, is um, Bezos and his brother, um, I think July 20th, said they're going to be going into, you know, going up in their own rocket, which is just a rocket, like a regular traditional rocket ship, you know. Okay. But um, Virgin Galactus <laughs> is more like a kind of like a plane. Yeah,
2: really? Yeah.
11: How, how you know, high, in their future.
2: How high will that go? I, mean, uh, I it just go think just barely
11: right. to where you can float, where there's not zero gravity, you know, okay. so you can float around for a little bit. But, you know, Virgin Galactic wants to go, you know, eventually they want to try to get from, use our own airports and uh, go from, you know, supersonic travel to, you know, country to country. And... Kind of like the old. But it is you know, exciting because you've got a billionaire race going on right here. You know, who's going to be the first
3: I, one? I wish I could be in that race, but I wouldn't be in it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I don't ever want to go to space. I don't think I that scares me. I mean, we'll see. I, we'll see what happens.
11: Yeah, in never, years, but... never say never, yeah. uh, Chase.
3: I know. I can say that because I'm older.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Joe, thanks okay, for calling. Guys. You have a great thanks. one. Okay, bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart vest Brent Chase. How can we help you?
1: Hi, Brandon Chase. Um, I'm interested in uh, Beezer Homes or... I think it's called. It's B B Z H.
2: Yes, yes, the a home builder. Uh, do you
1: yes. Hold, do you hold that, up, Jim? No, I don't. But um, I was talking to a guy at work, and uh, I think he got the idea from um, Investor's Business Daily or something like that. But uh, they are kind of concentrated, I believe, in Texas and maybe one or two others. But I was thinking since Texas is growing so much, that might not be quite as much of, of a problem as normally you might say.
2: Yeah, and that, that's one thing that uh, we normally look at. I'm glad you brought that up, Jim, because it is important when you buy virtually any company, are uh, they concentrated in one region? And, you know, Texas and Florida, they're, they're growing. Now, Florida just unfortunately had that huge condo crash, which I was kind of wondering, could that kind of hurt the market there a little bit on the real estate side? I don't know. Um, but I would rather have a home builder that's nationwide because of, of things can change in one region quickly, and all of a sudden, that's all you got.
3: Sorry to change the subject here on you, Jim, but uh, I was gonna ask you if you know why that condo collapsed in Florida. I saw an article, but I didn't get the chance to read why it collapsed yet. <laughs> I've been meaning to do that no,
1: I haven't either. I haven't yeah. read uh, anything and it was built quite a, a few years ago. I was thinking maybe it was built like in a hurry during the you know the boom times in yeah. uh, two thousand seven eight but i I heard it was built
2: and 20, I read three years ago yeah, I read something briefly on it I also wanted to see any video on it to see what it kind of looked like. But what I read, it was built, I believe, 40 years ago, and in Florida there is a 40-year inspection. I did see, and this would always pop up, like somebody a couple of years ago, oh, this building's not safe. They always find something oh. that says that. But uh, I've not done a, a total research on. It. I mean, it's not really what we do; it's just curiosity.
10: But I
1: yeah, understand. I did. I did. I also heard that uh, somebody's grandmother had called them and said that the building was making a whole bunch of like weird creaky noises, like two, three days before the collapse.
2: I, I would think that would have to affect the condo market in Florida. I it's would just terrible. Yeah, I would just be afraid, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. do I really want to buy a condo that was built 20 years ago, maybe even five years ago, because it was 40 stories high. That's
3: pretty frightening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Totally fine. I mean, I yeah. saw the aftermath in the picture. It's oh, crazy. That's yeah, terrible.
2: Yeah. So, uh, well, let's take a look at Beezer Homes for you. Their symbol is BZH. Uh, we do have a great start here. I mean, the P.E. ratio is 7.6 versus 41 for the industry. Price of sales looks good as well. 0.28 versus 0.9. Price to book value, wow. 0.97 versus 15.67. I say, wow, because for a home builder now to pay less than a dollar, 100% for their book value, it it's just uh, shocks me. I'm surprised. Uh, we do see that the sales, unfortunately, were only up 1.2% year over year, but the industry's actually down one6 That's surprising to me. Uh, earnings were up 180%. Uh, the industry was up 945. Looking at the balance sheet. No current ratio. And this is not a financial company. I'm kind of curious why they don't have a current ratio.
3: It's a home builder. Home builders don't have current ratio. Oh,
2: that's right. What I was saying. Okay, yeah. So they, they don't have the current ratio versus 1.56 for the industry. Uh, debt to equity is uh, 177 versus 55. And that worries me right there with that, that high debt. Uh, because I do remember home builders getting overbuilt and over leveraged uh, years ago. Could happen again. Rejoined equity <clears throat> is uh, 13 versus 7.2. Net profit margin checks in at 3.5 versus 2.2. And then we have receivable turnover 116 versus 3.9. And then inventory turnover 1.2 versus 27. Chase, what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward?
3: So, current price here for uh, Beezer Homes $19.39. 52 week high here, $26.12. And 52 week low out, $9.08. Now, I go out to September 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.38. That would give us a nice target sell price of $56.11. Wow. So I mean, that is a, a very good value there. But I will point out it is a smaller company, just a $600, not a $600, wow, that, that, that'd be tiny, $600 million market cap. Ooh, that's small. That yeah. yeah. And there's only two okay. analysts that have uh, a target on it. So that is a little bit concerning. You're kind of on your own with this business. And, and the high debt would scare me away from it there, Jim.
2: All right. Yeah. All and, right. And then, uh, Jim, and and, and uh, the home builder that we did have in the portfolio, we, we had it because it was nationwide because of the fact we wanted to be part of that. Um, I, it, but the home builders now, they do kind of scare us a little bit because we do see interest rates rising. We do believe that the market is, is very frothy, I'll say, across the country. Uh, and, and usually you don't make money when you buy things high, and this could hurt the home builders. Where perhaps the other thing I want to look at, they probably don't have a large inventory, but they could have like houses being built. If the market turns, do they get hurt because they have those and can't sell them? They got that debt looming over them. So I'd, I'd be very careful on the home builders, oh, okay. especially this home builder. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, Jim. Thanks for the information. All right, Jim. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable friend Chase, how can I help
8: you? Yeah, hi, guys. The stock I'm looking at is Chubb. Since you were on the insurance insurance, uh, segment for a while there. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I was glad to kind of see that. And Chubb, I think they also do
8: health
10: insurance. Is that correct? Um, Maybe they do life. Life.
2: I, yeah. I think
10: yeah. And, and um, I, I've, I've never looked at them as,
8: as far as a um, health care provider, though. Okay. Health insurance.
2: Yeah. I know the name. I just can't remember what I mean, they're they are. Property and casualties kind profiting of casualties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll take it to Chubb Limited, symbol as CB uh okay start pe ratio 13.2 versus 12.7 price to sales 1.9 versus 1.2 price to book value 1.9 versus 1.5 and then price of cash flow checks in at 12.4 and that's that is more expensive than the industry at 8.4 we do say they pay a two percent dividend using 25 percent of the earnings to pay that out uh sales are up 12.4 percent year over year that's above the industry at eight Earnings per share climbed by 54%, which is very good, but the industry was up 227%. They are financial companies, so no current, uh, current ratio. Debt to equity looking good, 25.7 versus 37. Return on equity is 10. That's about the same as the industry at 10.4. Net profit margin for Chubb, checks in at uh, 14.6, and that's better than in the industry at 9.4. And no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, earnings going forward.
5: Well, I
3: did pull out this company exactly kind of what they do and they, they have a lot of different insurance. I mean, they have, you know, workers comp, they have um, health insurance, like we talked about, they have commercial property, they do have the automobile, your your traditional kind of property and casualty line. So, um they they they're, they're pretty well diversified in terms of what they offer in insurance. The other thing they offer, too, is cyber insurance, which is... It's cyber insurance? Yeah. Oh. Which I think is obviously a growing need after yeah. what happened earlier the year, this year with the Colonial Pipeline. I know there was a healthcare provider here in San Diego oh, that yeah. got hacked as well, so it's, uh could be a, a good future line for them as, as that continues to be a, a need. I'm curious how much it makes up for the business. With that said, let's look at the numbers. for Chubb, current price here, $162.29. 52-week high is $179.01, and 52-week low. That's $111.93. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $12.75. Would give us a target sell price of $211.65. So I think it's interesting here, John. I think it could be a good one. And, and I
2: think this is one that's kind of almost like a kind of one of these foundation-type companies. Um, and again, I like that there's getting to the um, hacking... Insurance, cyber, cyber, insurance. cyber insurance, yeah. insurance and so forth, because of the fact that that is, I think, growing a big concern. Um, so, so I like it, John. I, I, I think it's worthwhile. Chase, can you put that on your notes for uh, Monday? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean we're going to buy it, but it means we're going to look at it. <laughs> well,
8: I've,
7: I've, I've always liked that insurance,
8: the insurance business, those recurring revenues. And, you know, once people buy from an insurance company, they tend to stick with it for the long haul. So it's, it's always been a good, stable, and profitable business.
2: And Chase, too, I think you said that they're into workers' comp as well. Yeah. But with a growing uh, workforce, they should do well there as well also. Yeah. So, yes, good things for this one, John. So, yeah, uh, we'd like it. All right. All Super. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks John. Guys. Bye-bye.
3: I will say one thing that's interesting about insurance companies mm-hmm. um, is there's going to be more automobile accidents this year than last year. just Because oh, yeah? we weren't driving. I think people forgot how to drive. When I was driving downtown yesterday, I think there was six accidents on like the 15 and 163 I saw on my app, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's <was> terrible. <laughs> like, it was yeah. crazy.
2: And, and, and actually, I saw one yesterday coming home from work. Uh, I stopped off, got gas, was on Pomerado Road, uh, backed up because of construction. First time ever, I saw a Tesla in an accident. Sorry, <laughs> but, but it did not do well. Really? Well, because there's no, like in the front, it was just like smashed in yeah. dramatically. And I think they're supposed to be very safe. Yeah. And I, this was observation, but the other car didn't look as bad, but the Tesla was just kind of like the front end was almost, almost gone. It's pretty wow. bad. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jairus. Jairus, you're on the Smart Venture Brent and Chase, how can we help you
10: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, uh actually, I'm going to slow down so you guys can keep up with me. <laughs> can you go a little bit slower, drivers? <laughs> okay. So, so wonderful program. This is this is what I've learned so far. Uh I have learned uh how to vote. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've learned um uh what team to cheer for. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, what store to buy jewelry at a good price? There we go. And uh, <laughs> and to riding cars and not rockets and to buy insurance. And How it, am I doing?
2: You're doing great. And you know, Jarvis, that's why I still love doing this after 42 years of getting up because investing is so exciting because you touch so many different things. You just pointed out why. And that's why we love what we do because we're not just buying mutual funds or something else. We invest in companies, and you can understand those businesses. And, and as you can tell, we cover many different topics because it's exciting. Yeah.
10: So. It, it is. It, it, I actually really enjoy you guys. But uh, one thing you haven't covered yet, and that's why I'm calling about uh, Vista Vista Outdoors, V-S-T-O, and uh, just see what you think, what the numbers are. I got in a little bit ago, and up about 30, 33%. Oh, just good. want to know what you guys think
2: all right well let's take a look at uh, vista outdoor incorporated symbol is vsto great start here Jarvis. the p ratio is 10.2 versus 1111 for the industry price to sales 1.2 versus 2.1 price to book value 7.7 versus not material for the industry and then price of cash flow is 7.9 versus 60 for the industry so great start here with the evaluation ratios We do see sales were up 26.8% year-over-year, while the industry was down 2.2. Earnings per share for Vista climbed by 265. Industry was down 97. The balance sheet looking pretty good here. Current ratio 2.9 versus 1.4. That's positive. Debt to equity 67 versus 132. Return on equity, wow, 45 versus 0.5. Net profit margin checks in at 12 versus 0.19. And inventory turnover is 4.1 versus 2.3. And receivable turnover is 7.2 versus 4.4. I cannot remember when every single ratio that we looked at was better than the industry average. average. This one uh, hit that. Very curious on what the hearings are going forward.
3: And you know, I I didn't even had much time to look at the numbers. I was just trying to find out what this company does. But, uh, you know, obviously it's an outdoor company. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, I think probably the, the most recognizable brand I see here is Camelback. So they, they do on Camelback the, you know, the, oh, the water. Water thing, you know, yeah. When you go, yeah. like, hiking and stuff. Uh, they also do have some, like, shooting sports as well, so I'm guessing uh, looks like Remington is one of their brands. Federals, is another they, one of their they brands. own
2: Remington, the gun company? That's or? what it appears. Okay. Yeah,
3: uh, and then also Bell Helmets. I was like, Bell, why does that sound so familiar? I, I remember going to Target the other week, and yeah. they have, like, the uh, bicycle helmets and stuff. So oh, yeah. it's an interesting company here. I'm, I'm curious. They have a lot of different brands. I'm curious what the I'm breakdown is for each, yeah. each brand. They yeah. also have Golf in there, too. So. Wow. Um, you know, I'd want to understand a little bit more again about their, their different segments and how profitable they are. And, um, you know, sometimes companies get too diversified mm-hmm. where they're not really doing well and they need to kind of trim, trim the fat, so to speak in yeah. some areas. Or, or they don't understand what they got into. Yeah. yeah. So something to look at it just a little bit closer, but I, I, I like the, the company so far in terms of what they do. Current price though, for Vista Outdoor. Forty-five dollars and eighteen cents. Fifty-two week high is forty-seven dollars and sixty-two cents. And fifty-two week low. Well, that's thirteen dollars and twenty-nine cents. Now I got to March two thousand twenty-three. I do see estimated earnings per share of three dollars and seventy-one cents. Would give us a target sell price of sixty-one dollars and fifty-nine cents. So it's intriguing here. I, I mean, I'm I'm impressed with this company. And, and again, you know what I'm
2: going to tell you, right?
3: I'm, I already reached for my phone. Yeah, put it in your notes for, for Monday because I I
2: can't remember and. They, they, and we're not going to go ahead and buy this on Monday, obviously. But I like what we're seeing on this business in this difficult time when everything's overpriced. And also, too, I'm thinking we are the start of summer. We do have people now cooping their homes for a year. They want to get out. Um, this one could be the right company at the right time.
3: And, so. and the other big thing, too, we talked about Macy's and are concerned of. Them kind of being the distributor of different products right. and people having to go there, so like the middleman, is they own the brands. We like yes. companies when they are the brand yeah. because even if you get rid of, you know, I, I'm not going to say this is happening, but you get rid of Amazon, you get rid of the storefronts. Well, you can still go online and you still need to buy yeah. these companies. So there's there's not really a big risk there.
2: Yeah. So so Jairus, a great pick there. Uh, what do you do next Saturday? We'll have you come on the show and give us some more. You know?
10: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've I, I've been listening carefully to you guys, and and uh, I listen to things and tap into things that I didn't used to before, and I actually got this uh, this stop pick from watching somebody on YouTube going out outdoors that, that they didn't do before. They did it yes last year, and they really enjoyed it, and they just named this store that they they go to and and really liked it. So I looked into it and thought it'd be something to get into, and uh, appreciate. Uh, the analysis and uh, I, I just love calling you guys and, and just learning every sun every Saturday so thank you,
2: you you're welcome Jairus so what we want you to do because now and I think this is gonna be like a long-term whole company it's a good business what you want to do now is like each quarter you want to read you know what's going on with the company how, how they do for the last quarter what new products they have coming out uh, you know listen to the executives read the conference call because this is a good business I think is one that and that's what we do when we invest and that 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 to me is a part of the fun is doing that and and uh, it really keeps you on track because you're out right a great start here uh, continue on and, and I see they're a fiscal year so they're the next well they still report on a quarterly basis but it's fiscal year so.
10: yeah. yeah yeah and uh, I think this one this one might have been affected by uh by who's uh who's living at Pennsylvania Avenue right now. So that's, <laughs> that was another part that got me interested in this uh, stock. But I like their diversity of products they own. So yep. I appreciate the tip. I definitely will look into what the what the leadership is doing and what the heartbeat of uh, the company is and uh, maybe uh, maybe add some more to the holdings.
4: All right. Sounds good.
10: Thanks for calling, Jairus. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye.
2: You know, Chase, I, I got to say, I mean, that – sums up why when people say well brent when are you going to retire eh, i don't know 2045. <laughs> you know it's because this never gets boring because you're when you do it the way we do it of getting into the businesses and understand the business and researching them you own something A- yeah. and i again i've been doing this for 42 years this is still exciting to me i still get excited you know, doing the show for 28 years, I still get excited. Like, what are we gonna get calls today? I I know Jairus might call in for us, but but I I get excited doing this, and it's just that's what I think a lot of people miss out by trying to watch the market and watch the prices. You're you're missing the excitement of, of true investing.
3: Yeah, rate. it's such a great point. I mean, we had clients come into the office yesterday, and. We were talking about kind of what's going on with the portfolio and we we're going through the companies and talking about what's going on with our businesses it's yeah it's a lot different than just saying well you know just stick with it you just gotta stay the course it's great mutual funds well what's in those mutual funds yeah it's it's a lot better to kind of have that understanding and and you know it, it makes you a lot less emotional with those companies because you know well you know like we just talked with Josh about the vista outdoors I don't think Camelback's going anywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, people are still going to go hiking and they still need to drink water. <laughs> it's, right, right. It's right. a lot more efficient to have one of those than carrying around a water bottle yeah. with you. So, uh, you know, it's, I think it does really help with the emotional side of it, as I said. Yeah, yeah. To own something makes a big difference.
2: All righty, phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Jacob in Alpine. Jacob, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you out?
12: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm kind of new to the whole investing thing, and um, it was actually my wife that was kind of the catalyst to uh, get into it. She had some friends that were kind of getting into it at the same time, and um, it kind of started with this uh, company, Metamaterial, and – it's kind of apparently a newer company, and it's kind of one of those ground-up stocks. Um, but I've been reading a lot of things on how it's doing this merger with another company, and there's some type of reverse split going on. And I'm so new at this, I don't really understand it. So I've been listening to the show, trying to uh, trying to just glean from information. It's amazing what you can learn just by hearing what you guys uh, how you guys break down these stocks. I'm taking notes.
2: Yeah, and, and, and Jacob, I'm having a hard time pulling anything up. Jace, do you get anything on this company? I, I think it might be a very small company. Uh, Jacob, do you know what the market cap or what the stock trades at here for this uh, company? Do you find that?
12: Um, well, it, yeah. So it, its uh, it's ticker thing is um, M-M-A-T-S. Oh, okay. I had M-M. Okay, so let me see.
4: No, uh,
3: M-M.
12: M-M. Yeah, Mary no Mary Alpha F- oh. Tango Fox Truck. Okay.
3: There's okay. not a lot of data on and I do have okay. some information. Okay, I'll um, let you go, Chase. I it. got I got nothing over Yeah, yeah, and, and as you kinda of said there, Jacob, it is a newer company. Um it looks like it came around uh March of last year's when it looks like it, it did start trading. And uh current price here thirteen dollars and ninety five cents. I mean I look at the fifty two week low, nineteen cents. Wow. I mean that's mm-hmm. crazy how much it's appreciated. Fifty two week highs fourteen dollars and ninety eight cents. Now the current market cap with the appreciation is about 1.5 billion dollars. So it's it's a decent oh, wow. size. I'm surprised in that. Yeah, I mean it was trading at 19 cents though. I mean it it was a fraction of that. It had it was in the millions. So uh, it, it is interesting that there's still not much data on it. I, I can't find any analysis or uh, excuse me I analysts understand. that are giving like target s- uh, sell prices, target earnings. So I I can't derive anything from it. And you know th- this thing it's done really well. I look at It looks like a communication equipment is what they actually do provide. I, I'm not sure exactly what they do, but I, I just get scared when I don't have good data. Yeah. And if I don't have analysts following it, you're, you're on your own with this one. And, you know, there's a lot of great companies out there that you're not on your own where I, I'd rather invest in one of those.
2: And, and, Jacob, one thing you can do is go to the company's website. They'll have the financial statements there because what you want to find out,
3: you know, are they –
2: they have too much debt. Do they have earnings? Do they have sales? I mean, you want to find all this stuff out, and because there's a lot of uh, speculation going on with companies like this, and and that's okay to do if that's what you know you and your wife understand you're doing, but it is different than investing. Mm-hmm. So, this one here, I, I got to put definitely in the speculative category, and it can go. What was the price now? Chase you said like a dollar ninety-five or something. No, it's now
3: thirteen ninety-five. Oh, Thirteen ninety-five. Okay, yes, so it's, mean, come, it's gone up. It's gone up dramatically.
2: Yeah. Uh, and and what the company does because maybe it's with cryptocurrencies or something that just really has brought it up dramatically. Communication equipment. Communica- okay, so yeah, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, it, it's just very. And, and, and Jacob, when we have questions about something, we don't buy it. Mm-hmm. If we can't get the right answers to those questions, we don't buy it. So what you want to do on this company here, and they, and you got to realize it could go to twenty-seven, it could go to 30, 50 dollars a share, but if you don't understand. What the company's doing, you're you're just playing the lottery, you yeah. know. So and and that's what you have to do. And I, when people play the lottery, we hope they win, but you want to realize that, you know, you want to be careful here because what I what I don't like is that people do something like this, and then they lose mm-hmm. money. They say, "Oh, the stock market is risky." Well, it's not risky if you yeah. know what you're doing. So just just kind of understand that. I, w- I wish we could help you more, but I'll just point you to the company's website, try to find out more about what the company does and. Uh, what their financial statements look like.
3: Yeah, and just, just no data, There's a that's a concern right off the bat. Just yep. I, I like to look at data, analyze the data, and if there's no data to analyze, it's, ah, it's a concern. Yeah, and we did point out some good companies today. so Yeah. You yeah, so, uh, <laughs> can look at those
2: as well. <laughs> All right, Jacob?
12: All right, thank you so much, guys.
2: All right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Jill. Jill, you're on the Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you?
1: Um, I am, uh, I'm 70 years old, and I'm interested in stocks that have good dividends, and I bought a few companies that have really great dividends. They're on the dividend aristocrat list and all, but I'm kind of interested in IBM because they have an outstanding dividend. But <clears throat> is it worth the price or – should I wait for a pullback in the market to buy them because they've had their issues? But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm really torn about it.
2: Well, let's take a look at that. And, and, and Jill, I want to look at IBM because IBM has struggled, I'm going to say, for the last five or six years. And they've had a great dividend. But they just – even Warren Buffett held it, I think, for years. For years and he sold it at, at, I think, a small loss, if I remember correctly. So is, is, that's one thing, too. When you, when you get dividends, it's great to get the higher yield and the dividend. But want the, you want the principal to grow as well or at least not decline because then that kind of defeats the purpose. So let's take a closer look at IBM. Actually, it's called In, International Business Machines. Everybody calls it IBM, and that is their symbol. Uh, not a bad start here, uh, Jill, because the P.E. ratio is 24.8 versus 64. Price of sales looks good, 1.8 versus 4. Price to book value not material, and that's the same as the industry. And what that means, if you take away all the uh, tan- intangible assets, there's no value to this company when you take away the liability. So you don't like that in a company. We do see that the price of cash flow is 10.8 versus 22.3. So that is good. You do get a 4.5% dividend. Very attractive. However, they're using 110% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, we do know that last year we had COVID, so things slowed down a- somewhat. But again, 110% payout ratio that cannot be sustained unless their earnings grow dramatically. We do see year over year, the revenue is down 3.6%. Uh, industry is up 4.4%. Earnings per share year over year, last 12 months for IBM, was a negative 42.9, but yet the industry they compete in was a positive 8.4. Look at the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 0.9 versus 1.3. That's okay. What is not okay is a debt to equity. Is 263 versus 72. And keep in mind that equity or intangible assets, which could be written down, which could actually increase your debt to equity and make the balance sheet even weaker. We do see they have a return on equity of 25.4 versus 12.8. That is good. Net profit margin 7.1 versus 6.3. And then receivable turnover is 10.6 versus 4.8. And then inventory turnover, 20. 20- Point nine versus 19.5. Chase, what do you got for the earnings?
3: Yeah, so current price here for IBM, $146.84. 52-week high, well, that's $152.84. And 52-week low, $105.92. I, I looked at a longer-term chart of IBM, and it, it just seems like, well, it actually, doesn't seem like it, it has occurred, that right. IBM just hasn't gone anywhere, really, for the last 10 years. It's yeah. just, it did go up, uh, let's see, it looks like it peaked around 2 uh, about 210, 215, somewhere around there. And then it, it's just kind of traded around $100, $150 a share. But oh, where, where's it at now? You said? Uh, current price is $146.84. Okay. So uh, looking though at the 52 week highs, $152.84. 52 week lows, $105.92. Uh, I, I, I do think it is interesting though. We talked about how COVID occurred and, and mm-hmm. that might be a problem for the dividend payout ratio. A lot of technology companies thrived during COVID. Yeah, what what was going on with IBM? And I, I don't know exactly all of their business segments, so I I can't tell you the exact reason that they had problems. But it, it just seems strange that they did kind of struggle a little bit more than other tech companies.
2: Yeah, and I think IBM was always like the big company computer, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, as you know, people have been going home to do that more. of The personal computers. I know they. I think IBM o- owns Lenovo. Uh, which is your smaller uh, yeah. laptops and so forth. But, but Jill, I mean, you mentioned that you're 70 years young.
3: Was I haven't it... given a target sell yeah. price on it yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were done. I'm no. sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, hold on here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to give you a target sell price on IBM. I mean, I go out to December 2022. Estimated earnings per share, $12.05. Would give us a target sell price of $200.03. So, it, it, valuation, it's been the problem for us for, I'm going to say, the last – Six seven years is yep. IBM. The valuation has always been there, but the balance sheet has been a hold up, and also, too, just the, the business transformation. I know they got a newer CEO in there. Yeah, um, wh- what is going on with kind of the cloud? I think that was the whole reason he was mm-hmm. bought in was to, to do that. I think they bought some company too, like Red Cloud, or, or I forget the exact name of it, but um, that was supposed to be a transformative acquisition. I, I'm not sure how that panned out, right. Um, it seems like not. Not great if the stock hasn't done much
2: yeah ha- hasn't done much and, and jill as i said you're 70 years young which uh concerns me like, like ibm because i'd hate to see you buy IBM for a four and a half percent dividend sounds pretty attractive but then five ten years down the road the stock went from 140 uh down to 90 perhaps worse and it got that all that debt on the sidelines that's sitting there it, it just is not what i would call a safe company i mean we do income portfolios for our clients and this is
3: not one I would put into the portfolio for our income clients. And the other thing that yeah, worries so me too, sounds
1: like there's more bad th- news than good. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. yeah. and I was
3: going to say the other thing that worries me too, Jill, is the, the dividend yield. I mean, if that's the reason you want to buy it, I, I do worry about that payout ratio. And if they can't get their earnings growing, that dividend payout ratio is going to struggle, which means they can't invest as much into the business, which means they're not going to grow the business, and then they might have to cut that dividend. So then you, you lose the whole reason you invested into it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, I, I think there's more bad than good to IBM at this time.
2: And I know you mentioned the, okay. di- the dividend aristocrats. You have to be careful with that because that's all they kind of focus on. So it's kind of like the yeah. start of your research. And then you, like you did here, you, you said, well, gee, 4.5% IBM. Let me look closer at the fundamentals. But I know some people just buy, well, I was on div- dividend aristocrats, so I'm going to buy it. I, I think it's a mistake many times. So. Ready, Joe? Uh, yeah. I'm looking at it,
1: boring old companies, you know, boring yeah. old blue chips. But well, they,
2: they, they can be good, but you gotta find the right ones. <laughs> Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Uh, let's head out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the smart vest show, Chase, how can we help you?
0: Hey, good morning, guys. How? Things are going well here in San Diego this morning for all of us, I think.
2: Yes, I think it's a great <laughs> day in San Diego. <laughs>
0: I finally got Jacob out of the phone booth out here in Alpines. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And a question in the stock that you were reviewing for him. You said it was at 19 cents at one point. Yeah. And I thought stocks got delisted if they went under a buck.
3: They can get delisted. Um, And the other, that's the strange thing, is it it could have done something with. you know share splits where yep. it could have been really listed at a dollar or 2 dollars or something and they they kind of changed the stock and now if you look back it's on a share adjusted basis of 19 cents so i i'm not sure i mean as i said there wasn't much information on yeah, that yeah. company it, so it could have been over the counter yeah
5: i have some actual yeah, information well, okay. super quick uh torchlight energy which has the symbol TRCH it's going to go to a 1 for 2 reverse stock split with uh, Meta Material, which is the company we just talked about, right. on June 28th, and it's going to become a new company called Meta Materials, with a space in between the name, uh, and it's going to have a new ticker symbol then at MMAT, so just a heads up on that. Okay, t- thank you, Brian. Yeah, it it I was going to say, you could have traded over two the two counter as well, one. as you said,
3: so it's, it's interesting, yeah. Uh,
2: what was that, Jim? Did, did he mean to
3: say
2: one for
0: two? A reverse split would be two for one. He said one
2: for two. Did he say one I for two? Purchase. Yeah, because when he said reverse split, I knew what it was. Yeah, so yeah, so it's a reverse split. He said.
5: It's saying one for two online. That's what it's saying. But it's saying one for wow. two.
2: Uh,
5: this is from Seeking Alpha. Uh, Seeking that's the Alpha, name of the company, sure. which we
2: which, which we mm-hmm. like. So what? Reverse split one for two. Okay, all right. Well, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's <laughs> a company We'd never <laughs> <laughs> we never buy. We yeah, buy. That's right. <laughs> 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 we got the information out. Okay, I can help you, Jim. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want your phone, book, well, phone booth phone boat to get closed on you.
0: <laughs> so carnival cruise was a good company before the pandemic and i you guys have reviewed it once or twice in the past about forward bookings and stuff like that and i uh, i bought some leaps in it uh back at the when it was really tanked and they don't come due for another six eight months and i'm just wondering what your prognostication is on carnival cruise lines
2: all right well let's go with the numbers of carnival cruise line their symbol is ccl uh, still no PE ratio, same as the industry for uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, and now obviously not making any earnings over the last 12 months. The price of sales for Carnival is very expensive 37.4 versus 12.6. Price to book value 1.8 versus not material. And also, Carnival has no cash flow at this time. We do say they did not pay a dividend. They used to pay a nice dividend, they cut that, obviously. Uh, their sales, no surprise, down 96% year over year, industry down 71. Earnings per share fell by 617, industry down 1,449. The balance sheet used to be pretty good. It is no longer a good balance sheet. We have a current ratio of 1.5 versus 1.4. That is okay. But debt to equity is now 158. Not as bad as the industry of 498, but I really get concerned with a debt to equity over, much over 120. We do see return on equity a negative 51.8 versus 86. Net profit margin, wow, a negative 1375 versus a negative $55. What do you see? receivable turnover is 2.1 versus 4.9, and then inventory turnover 6.9 versus
3: 11.6. Chase? I was going to ask there. real quick there, Jim. Uh, your leaps, are they to uh, protect you, to sell it, or to buy it?
0: They're calls. And, they're uh,
4: okay.
0: uh, they're, okay. uh, yeah, I to ensure the lower price that it was uh, selling at last year. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, the leaps are up, you know, they're up in value. Yeah. They're nicely up. Yeah. And so I'm just going, should I sell it or, ex- you know, get the ex- of you know, keep them to exercise?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's look at the numbers here to see kind of what you should do with those options. Current price on Carnival Cruise Lines, $28.13. 52-week highs, $31.52. And 52-week low, $12.11. If I go out to November 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of just 33 cents. That would give us a target sell price of $5.48. And, of course, this is going to be a little bit skewed because they're kind of having to revamp the whole cruise yeah. industry. So it's, it's, sure. it's a complicated one. And the thing that concerns me the most about these cruise companies is they just had to absolutely destroy the balance sheets and the kind of financial capital of the companies to, to survive. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it was interesting last year. We didn't foresee the pandemic lasting as long as it did. And it, it kind of yep. derailed our, our investment thesis into Carnival and, and uh, cruise lines being an interesting sector. So I, I I personally think that I would sell the leaps if you've done well on them because I wouldn't want to buy the stock anyways.
2: What was the target sell price yet
3: again, Chase? Five dollars and forty eight cents. Oh,
2: so nowhere near the twenty eight it currently is. And and that's the thing I think a lot of people are getting in like, oh, the cruises are coming back. Well, oh, let's let's invest in these companies. Well, I think that's going to help. The cruise line and carnival cruise lines for a while but once the investors the true investors get in saying well wait a minute this debt is terrible and i think they issued a ton of shares too. oh they issued more shares yeah exactly um and they're just not making the profits they got they got the boats filled but it's not profitable so so that was concerns me and i i hope they turned around but i would not have my money in this either by the stock or by a leap because I think there could be problems going forward.
3: And the other thing, too, that I'm curious on is they have a lot of, I believe, outstanding liabilities from the people that bought cruises last year and oh, in 2019 right. that yeah. still need to cruise. So those aren't going to be cash flows coming in. They're actually liabilities where they have to serve those people their tickets and go on cruises. So I, I'm not sure how their cash flow is going to look this year or next year, and, and that's why I think the earnings are still so depressed but, uh, you know, things might turn around in 2023. But I, I think there's just a lot of kind of hype building behind these travel companies. Yeah. yeah. And
2: and the hype could take the stock and the leaps higher. But I, I just think you're playing a gambling game right now. And I, I, I would take my profits and buy something stronger. All right, Jim. Or they sail away. Oh, we don't want them to sink. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh.
0: <laughs> I don't know, Chase.
2: Keep, keep that day job, Chase. <laughs> <laughs>
12: <laughs> yeah, Jim. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: thank you for calling have a good one <laughs> you guys thanks a bunch right. bye-bye <laughs> yeah it's it's so difficult because we we did own carnival cruise line before all this craziness happened it was a great business never had a losing year for what 40 50 years wow. and 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 this shutdown of covid just destroyed a great business
3: and it's interesting too i mean just speaking of travel and even the airlines it's like the airlines and the cruise lines i think have gone way too far and just looking at the current prices without factoring in all the financial, I'm going to say engineering, what issuing the stocks. Yeah. And it's just, I think people are, are looking <laughs> at the reopening trade rather than fundamental. Exactly.
2: Well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to smart investing show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice, Let's discuss in more detail. Your investment needs or have other investment questions. Feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's eight, five, eight. Five four six four three zero six, or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information on investment tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent Chase Willisley. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv closing song Frank Sinatra's My Way is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investing Show. And may I
4: say This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.